Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Game five tonight. We've actually got four games tonight. But most importantly for you folks, it's the Utah Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies. Game five. Jazz up three games to one. They dropped that first one without Donovan. And now they've won three in a row. And can they close it out? Because who in their right mind wants to get in a plane and go back to Memphis and play game six? And put the whole series at risk and maybe live through that whole nightmare that you went through a year ago when you blew a 3-1 lead and lost to the Nuggets in seven. Nobody wants to do that. So wrap it up tonight. I mean, it's different, right? Bogey's here, so that's different. Um, Derek Favors is back. That's different. Um, Niang, Conley. Royce O'Neal, you can argue they're all playing better, bigger roles, more comfortable with their roles, able to do more things. Home crowds are back. Instead of playing in the bubble on a neutral floor, the Jazz get two out of the next three at home if they need them. Obviously, they can just end it with this first one here tonight. So there's a lot of differences. And I think the biggest one is the Jazz blew a 3-1 lead last year. They're not going to take their foot off the gas. They are going to accelerate through the finish line. That's what I expect. So... See what happens in that game tonight. See if the Jazz can wrap it up. And, of course, they're going to get the Clippers or the Mavericks if they do. And they play tonight, and they are tied 2-2. Lakers and Suns were 2-2, and then the Suns blew the Lakers off the court. No Anthony Davis. The Lakers just didn't have it. Didn't have nearly enough. The Suns were up by 30 at halftime. The entire second half was garbage time. Not only was LeBron not in in the fourth quarter, he wasn't even on a bench, went to the locker room, started working on treatment to get ready for the next game because their whole season's coming down to game six, and LeBron could lose in the first round for the first time ever. He's 14-0 in first-round series. He's never been down 3-2 in a first-round series. But here they are now. He's not 100%, and AD's not playing. I'd be surprised off what PK said yesterday if AD was playing. Actually, I'd just be surprised off what I saw on the court. But in addition, PK, knowing people who know people in the Lake organization, he gets some, gets some info once in a while, and it seems to be pretty spot on, whether it's LeBron moving to L.A., spot on. AD uh, getting hurt and going to be out for a long time through the All-Star break and beyond, spot on. And now AD not going to play in Game 6. That's what I would expect. That's what PK has heard. And so really what that leaves us to discuss here is Portland. How could you? How could you have Damian Lillard be that good and have that game there for the taking and everybody on the Blazers not named Damian Lillard went 1 for 19 down the stretch. Ennis Kanter had a putback. Covington was missing dunks. The second best player on the team was stepping out of bounds. That line just jumped up and bit him. C.J. McCollum, what are you doing? But Portland hung in there because Damian Lillard was outrageously good. A big three at the end of regulation to force overtime. Down eight in overtime. Three big threes. They got a three. They got a stop. They got a three from Lillard. Another one. And then the Nuggets only hit one out of two free throws. And Lillard comes down and hits another three. And all of Twitter was screaming, foul him, foul him, foul him. I'm kind of glad they didn't because I just want the entertainment factor. I love watching it hit the shots. I don't really want to watch a free throw shooting contest. But tactically, Nuggets fans, I get it. You, you wanted your guy to foul. And there's always the risk if he sees the foul coming, he's going to pull up and shoot it and get three free throws. Or maybe he's going to throw it in and get a four-point play. And I just think they were a little scared after what happened with Austin Rivers at the end of regulation. He did touch him. 
and they had to use it, and, and they were going to give him three. Uh, Rivers was defending Lillard, and he just touched him. Well, first off, he hand-checked him, which that – I don't know how you get away with that. <laughs> Allegedly, you could hand-checking ended like 30 or 40 years ago. Allegedly, they changed that rule and made hand-checking illegal. Um, and then there was a slight brush, and it's a no-call 99 times out of 100, and this time they call it. Now, they challenged it, and they took the free throws away and said it was before the gather, so it's side out out of bounds. They inbounded it, and then Lillard hit a three and forced overtime. So Nuggets fans are incensed uh, over the call and over the lack of fouling, but they did win the game. And as many people pointed out on Twitter, they won when Donovan went for 57 in the bubble, and now they win when Lillard goes for 55. It was wildly entertaining, and Lillard was outrageous. Six of eight shooting down the stretch while his teammates were one of 19. And he had 10 assists, and he was driving and passing, and Carmelo's missing a corner three, and um, uh, he wasn't the only one, but he's just coming to mind right now. It was, it was just there were there were <laughs> nothing good happened when the ball left Lillard's hands. Just, I guess, late in regulation before the one of 19 to close the game. Um C.J. McCollum hit a corner three. That was probably like the last good thing that happened when the ball got passed. If Lillard just shot on every possession, I think they would have won the game. But they didn't, and now the Nuggets are up three games to two. So Nuggets are up three to two. Suns are up three to two. Nuggets, Suns in the next round, unless something crazy happens here and the Blazers win game six and seven or the Lakers win game six and seven. Now we're easing towards Nuggets and Suns. And, of course, the Jazz went 0-3 against the Suns in the playoffs this year, or in the regular season this year, uh, and against the, in the playoffs against the Nuggets they lost in seven last year. So really not teams you're looking forward to see, but, hey, first things first. Jazz have to beat the Grizzlies tonight and then on to the second round and see if they get the Clippers and see if they can handle those guys. All right, DJ and PK, Steve Cleveland, coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Mountainland Supply. Join Scouting Hands and Mountainland Supply's customer appreciation date from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 1505 West, 130 South in Orm. Free street tacos. Appearances by the Diesel Brothers and Rulon Gardner. Plus free hats and t-shirts. Stop by Mountainland Supply tomorrow from 10 to 2. It's time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. Steve, the Jazz are up three games to one. They have won three in a row since Donovan Mitchell returned. Some Jazz fans are still worried. Some cite last year's 3-1 collapse to the Nuggets. What level of concern do you have for the Jazz? Uh, That'd be none. (laughs) (laughs) That would be none. No, they're – and it's not like Memphis isn't competing and and – they're they're not coaching this group up, and they're the, I think the youngest team in the NBA. But uh, and they're putting up a battle and a fight, but not not back at home. They'll finish this thing at home, and uh, they're getting great production from everybody on the floor. And you can just see. I mean, every interview I hear, they talk a little bit about remembering last year and when they were up three one and lost to Denver. But uh, 
this team is 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 not going to get upset in this setting, and um, they're playing great. I mean, it, they had they had to play well uh, in the second half. Memphis, Memphis has been quite a test. They just play so hard, um, and I, I can't imagine Conley. I, you know, he looks like he grew up playing there. But he hit some big shots at the end of that game. Obviously, Clarkson and Mitchell kind of carried the team offensively, but um, the Jazz just continue to shoot the three ball. And that's been the difference. And um, they withstood some runs by Memphis, I thought, and that they could have kind of folded it. And they just came back and made big baskets. And fun game to watch. As I look at it, you know, I got to give Memphis credit for competing because they're an emerging team and they're young and all this. And we'll check back in two or three years and see who they add and how much better they can be. But for right now, as I just look at it, I just come down to the bottom line is the Jazz have more talent, which is why they're up 3-1. I can't really see any other explanation. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's not like both coaches aren't doing everything they can. And you're right about uh, Memphis. I mean, they play with great effort. They compete just like the Jazz do. And there is just a difference in talent level. There's just so many different guys on that team that can step up. I mean, Bogdanovich just kind of just not, you know, you don't even notice him in that game. And, and yet he's had games where he's had 25, 30, 40 points. You know, I mean, he's capable on any given night. <clears throat> Gobert is kind of just invisible the first half, and all of a sudden he gets 16 second half points. And and I, I honestly, Conley just seems more relaxed, more in tune with the guys. I mean, last year was a little bit of a struggle, but he's hit big threes, timely threes when momentum was shifting, and uh, and and obviously we the expectation for Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson is you know is given. I mean, you, you expect both of those guys to step up and play, and uh, and Jordan Clarkson could pretty much start on any other team in the NBA. He could probably start on this team if that's the way they wanted to go. But having him come off the bench, uh, I think, well, I don't know, he seemed like he scored like 10, 12, 13 points in a row uh, for the Jazz. So you're right. The talent is different. The experience is different. Jazz should win this game. They will win this game. But uh, it's fun to see a scrappy Memphis team play. I mean, you, you, we've all watched teams like this that are young like that, and they've got great energy. So my hat's off to them. I, I, I didn't know a lot about the coach at Memphis. You know, I mean, he's got a pedigree. He's, he, he comes from a great line of coaches, but I didn't realize he was in his mid-30s. I didn't know much about him. So that's quite a success story in itself. So when you look at the Jazz, are the playoffs revealing any flaws to you that you think could be a problem down the line? The Jazz are pretty much who you thought they were. Maybe they're a little better than you thought they were. You know, I, I don't see any real significant flaws. I mean, they, they need to shoot the three ball well because they're not a team that's pounding it inside. Uh, there's not a lot. And, and they do run, but the, it's selective. It's not like they get a, a great deal of transition points, but I, I think they just got such great shooters. They can space the floor. They move without the ball. The guys aren't standing around, and it's hard to guard teams like that, especially when they're such lethal shooters. So and, and you got a big guy inside Gobert who who's not selfish, you know he may not get a touch and a half, and then he comes in there and and uh, has a presence defensively and scores 16 points. So I mean you look at Ingles, Clarkson, Conley, uh, Bogdanovich, O'Neal. I mean they're all capable on any given night. And I think the advantage that the Jazz have too is they've been there. This group's now been together for a while, and uh, you, you just uh, you just feel like no matter what kind of adversity they face, 
eventually they'll get through it and make the right play. And so I don't know if there's a, a team in the league that has a better chemistry and culture than the Jazz have. And, and, and there's, I don't know, there's a maturity there, that basketball maturity, that they seldom take bad shots. They seldom take four shots unless, you know, somebody's defending them and they have to shoot something late in the clock. I mean, they're just, they're, you don't see them take many bad shots. And uh, the ball never gets sticky. It's always moving. So, uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't see any weaknesses. I mean, the, the, the team that I – and I don't think they're going to get out. I'm not sure that the Lakers even get out of the playoffs. The, the Lakers are a different type of team for anybody. And, and, and obviously the Clippers are playing better right now too. But the Lakers, if they were healthy – would be, it could be a challenge because they slow the game down, they can pound it inside, and when their shooters are shooting, it, they play different than everybody else in the league for the most part. And and so I that would that would be a matchup that I think with the Lakers were healthy and the Jazz were healthy, that'd be an amazing series. But I'm not sure the Lakers will even get to that point uh, with the, with the injuries they're having. So that that's the one team if they got healthy. That, you know, just any team that's got LeBron James on it can will themselves to win. He's done that a few times. But I, I, I just don't see anybody. I mean, I, honestly, uh looks like the Clippers are stepping up and doing things. You know, we may see a Jazz-Clippers match up here sooner than later, and uh we'll see what happens. But Jazz just have too much depth, too much shooting, too much maturity, and uh and they're competitive. I mean, they are competitive and high basketball IQ team. They just don't make many mistakes. They seldom beat themselves. When I look at Mitchell now, I've come to the conclusion, maybe not on his own, can he tell everybody, all right, guys, get on my back. I'm going to take you. But with this team and the composition of the guys who are in the rotation, I believe that they can win a title with Mitchell being the leader on offense with the help that he has. Maybe not individually, but with his skill level and combined with his counterparts on the team. I think he can do it. What would you say? You know what? He he knows how to create space on his own and, and to get shots. But the spacing of their offense, it's hard to leave Bogdanovich in the corner. It's hard to leave Conley up top. I mean, you've got guys, they have to honor the shooters. And so as if Donovan Mitchell didn't already have a skill set to create space and get shots off, it's even more so with the team and with his teammates. And I, and I think that his teammates are fully supportive of that. And, uh, and you know what, it, it, Clarkson and, and I, I would, I'd be interested to know the minutes that Clarkson and Mitchell play together because both of them are really, really good with the ball in their hands. And, uh, and, and that's why Clarkson's so valuable, that when Mitchell can step off the floor, that Clarkson can just replace him. Not that he's Donovan Mitchell, but he, he can score and he can create space and he can make things happen. So they even have that when Mitchell's not in the game. So I, I agree. I mean, the, the setup, the, the, what they do offensively, the spacing, uh, and the ability to shoot the three makes Donovan Mitchell even a better player than he already is, and he's really good. But he, he gets space that a lot of folks don't get because people sag and help. I mean, look, look at how the Jazz guard Morant. You know, I mean, they know they don't have a lot of shooters. They can clog up the middle. Uh, if, if they had shooters, uh, Morant would even have more. And he, he's amazing as a young player. I mean, it's just so much fun to watch him and Brooks play because they're so competitive and they play at a high level all the time. 
but they have a much more difficult road to get to the rim or knock shots down because they don't they're not surrounded with shooters like the Jazz are. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us. And I am curious if you have any inside information on what could possibly be going on with the Clippers because I thought Ballmer early in Game 3 was going to start firing people and cutting players. He looked way more into the game than anybody on the court. The Clippers were down two games to none and just getting drilled. I mean, it's 8-2. to two, Where's the response? It's 16-4. to four, Where's the response? It's 30-11. to 11. Now, the response comes and they win the game, so who cares about a bad first quarter? But in the moment, I thought Ballmer was going to explode, and he's the owner. He probably knows what's going on. It just strikes me that this isn't X's and O's. Whether well, personalities, chemistry, I can't put my finger on it. Can you? You know, a, a couple of subtle things that have happened. I, I would much rather have Reggie Jackson running the point, a guy who I know can make baskets. Not not that Patrick Beverly doesn't have a role on his team, but he they can't they can't win with him playing a point guard thirty minutes. So Reggie Jackson's one thing, and uh, they they've gone small as well. Uh, I think Batum, I think that's his name, is. Uh, is an undersized big. And so they, they have more versatility with that group. And, and, and certainly, uh, you know, the two key, you know, Leonard and, and, and Paul uh, are, are making baskets and they're, they're shooting the three. I mean, they were 13 for 31, I think, in one game and 13 for 33 in another. And so when, when they're hitting the three ball, Reggie Jackson is a guy that can, here again, create space. They have, they have to honor him, which gives Leonard and George opportunities to, you know, get into the seams and make things happen or help other guys. I, I don't know what happened psychologically or emotionally or within the chemistry of this team, but those two things, Reggie Jackson actually running the show now and then having Rondo come in. I mean, Rondo comes in and, you know, he has a, he has a quiet night, but all of his points were in the fourth quarter. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he scores late in games. So I think the, the Reggie Jackson and the Rondo, uh, I, I like that tandem of point guard, but I like Reggie Jackson. He's athletic. He can take a beating. He can play more minutes. Uh, that would be one thing that I see that uh, makes them better rather than just standing around passing a ball and taking contested shots all the time. And then, I, I, you know, I, I don't know how good a friend Paul I mean, Leonard, Kawhi Leonard is a really quiet guy, but I, everybody I know, uh, I know the, uh, a couple of guys here in Fresno are on the staff at Fresno State, and uh, they, they coach Kawhi at San Diego State. And uh, they said, you know, he actually has quite a sense of humor. He, he gets along great with his teammates. And so I, I give maybe Kawhi, because he and Paul are both kind of quiet guys. And uh, they're a little more reserved out publicly, though Paul's kind of got a form, a form a time or two in the last six months where he's saying things that have kind of beat, got him beaten up a little bit. But I, I just think that the two of them must be having conversations and, uh, and collectively as a team. I mean, they've kind of been embarrassed nationally, and they've taken a lot of wrath from a lot of folks, and rightfully so. They just haven't played the expectations or at a level they should be. Uh, but I, I don't think that team has great depth. I mean, if Morris can make baskets for them, they're way, way better. But they don't have a lot of guys coming off the bench knocking baskets down for them. So they got to kind of go with the guys that, that are good. And, and obviously they got two great ones. So uh, the collection of those things, you know, I, I mean, hey, listen, I know how competitive Paul is and I know how competitive Kawhi is. 
it, it's, it doesn't settle well with them, and uh, and they've shown it. And I would be shocked if they lose this series. In fact, it, it, Dallas might not win a game. And, and the, the sad thing for Dallas is that Doncic looks like he's hurt, and that will really seal their fate if that's the case. From a coaching perspective, we've had some people – get with us about how the Jazz games have been close. So from the fan perspective, they're nervous, you know, because they want to the last five minutes to be relaxed, feet up, and just play out the clock until you win, get to the, all the zeros. But from a coaching perspective, how good is it to have these games? They had a, the Jazz have had a couple of games now where five minutes to go, you know, the score at least would indicate that the game is in balance. So I'm wondering, from a coaching perspective, is that better for the team as opposed to just rolling out a bunch of 20-point wins? Yeah, because the farther they go in the playoffs, the closer and more competitive the games are going to be, especially on the road. And, and they have to go back. And if, you're, if your most recent memories are with three and a half minutes to go and you're up three, on the road and you finish a game out like they've been finishing games out, that gives them confidence. Even though they're really good players and they're pros and they're some of the best in the world, it's, it's not like they can't lose confidence. And, you know, I, I think we just assume that they're just confident all the time. This is a game where a, a team can take you out of your confidence and your comfort zone. Teams do that defensively. And so, yes, anytime you have games like this, especially when they're well-earned. If it's, if it's games where you're making mistakes and turning the ball over and having bad shot selections, but that's not what's happening. I mean, Memphis hasn't gone away. They, they've had, I mean, basically the last two games, the Jazz have had to, to really uh, shore up everything, make big baskets, make big shots, or they lose. And Because Memphis came at them. And I know they're not as talented as the Jazz, but on the road, anything can happen. So, yeah, I I think those things are invaluable for this team, especially when they have a little bit of a history over the last couple of years of not finishing things and not being where they need to be. But, uh, uh, yeah, so anytime they can face adversity and overcome it, it gives them more confidence. And and certainly they've got a great coaching staff that puts them in good positions. But at the end of the day, uh, I think those kind of experiences will help you down the road. Uh, when you face adversity, how do you handle it? And who has the ball? What are we doing? Uh, and, and to be honest with you, the Jazz have done that really well against us. Anytime you're supposed to win and a team is hungry, a young team like this, uh, you know you're going to be in for a battle. And uh, I think Gobert said it at the postgame, is that hey, everybody in this league is pretty good. And if you, you, let, you, you, you let your guard down at all, they're going to come at you and, and – and, capitalize on your weaknesses and so we we just got to continue to play to the very end uh especially when you're on the road you get a little maybe it's maybe it's a little more comfortable at home when teams don't shoot the ball well you go in going on it's hard to win games to start with no matter what i don't care what level you're at but it's really hard to win games on the road uh against good teams and teams that play hard it's a little easier when the big guy who couldn't shoot free throws is now at the point where he can go 7 of 9 and hit two pre- pressure free throws late in the game. Yeah. Gobert at the free throw yeah. line, that's, uh, that's changed over time. It has changed over time. And, uh, you know, and I think the thing about Rudy that you guys have watched him practice and play for a long time, but he doesn't, he doesn't force things anymore. He, he's much slower in the post, not in the sense that he's – of foot, but that he just takes his time. He's more patient. He can step through, and he's not in a hurry to shoot the ball. I mean, I, I remember watching him 
two or three feet from the rim and getting in a hurry and trying to get there and being in awkward positions and get a shot blocked or he's off balance. He's more balanced. He lets the game come to him. You know, a lot of guys get frustrated if they're not scoring, you know, and, and, I, and I'm not saying that Rudy was like that, but I just know my experiences when guys that are averaging 15, 16, 17 points a game or, and all of a sudden they've got two or three, they're trying to force stuff. Rudy's not doing that. And uh, whatever he's done to get himself in a really good place mentally with free throws, because his form looks pretty good from what I've seen. Uh, but, you know, just being seven-plus foot and, and you know, it, it, things can be a little more difficult for you when that's not something he's had to be counted on to do all the time. But they get eight or ten free throws from him a game and 15, 16 rebounds a game uh, makes him a lot better. But I, I, Rudy's really matured. I in his interviews, it's just, again, you're around him a lot more than I am, but he just seems uh, more at peace with himself. He went, you know, that whole COVID thing, too, that, that had to really wear on him, and, and he seems like he's in a really good place. How important do you think it is from the Jazz perspective going forward to close this thing out in five? No, they need to close that out in five. Very important. Um, I, I think what happens if you don't, and then you got to go back to Memphis, the it, 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 our minds are funny. We go back when we start feeling a little bit insecure about whatever it is, and then things are, life is good, and then we get a little bit of hiccup, and then we're back where we are. It, it wears on you mentally and emotionally, and that that takes a little bit of confidence with them. Not that that they don't feel like they can still win this thing. They don't need to be going ha- having a hiccup at home, getting beat at Memphis, and going seven to win this and seven because every time you go out there and play, there is the potential for injury. There's the potential for anything to happen. And if you can have four and five game series and you're fresh going forward and you get to that conference, you know, finals and where guys are rested and they're confident and they're not banged up, makes a difference. I mean, let's, let's face it. I mean, injuries have uh, had a huge role in a lot of teams in the NBA this year. And whoever gets healthiest at the end of the year, you know, when, when all things are equal, uh, is going to have a better chance of winning. So, it's just one less game they have to go play. They don't need to play anymore. They play plenty of games to know who they are and what's going on. Uh, so if you can sweep or win a series four to one, uh, it gives you less. You get rest. You're rested. You're mentally good, and uh, you're just in a place that feels good as a, an individual and as a team and as a coaching staff. And not that this isn't already a really mature group, but uh, they're still human. They're still. Uh, always going to be doubts in your minds when you go up. That's what makes us nervous before games. Those are the things as coaches and players that you deal with. Not, and, and I think it's good. It's good to have the, uh, a little bit of fear that you have a respect for your opponent. But uh, they don't need to be playing extra games against teams that they're supposed to close out because it's just it, it, bad things happen sometimes that way. And they, they want to be rested. They can get through these series, uh, get to the finals. Steve, we appreciate a little bit of time, and we will talk to you again next week when this series will definitely be over. (laughs) Yes, it will. Good talking to you guys. There's Steve Cleveland. When we come back, PK and I breaking down Game 5. Multiple storylines and an obvious challenge for the Jazz. We'll get to that next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go.
Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. PK. Yes. Game five tonight. What are we going to see? What do you want to see? Well, obviously, more of the same. Just a jazz victory. That's the number one thing. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. And I like what uh, Steve Cleen was talking about because I agreed with him is that I think these types of things, and you brought it up yesterday, that these close games actually help prepare you for what's down the road because the West is so hotly contested that. We've been saying this for a while. There's not a huge difference between one and eight. You know, it's not like these warrior teams of a few years back where they were so dominant. And you had Houston challenge them, but the rest uh, wasn't much of a challenge until they caught LeBron in the finals. So there's not a big difference. So the point being that you're going to have, as what you so infamously articulated, a bunch of knuckle biters. going forward done with the nails we're all the way down to the knuckles <laughs> yes people. i mean you're gonna have a few elbow biters uh going forward here in the postseason so get used to them now have these intense situations that i think can pay off and if you should get to the finals you know probably the nets well are you gonna blow out the nets yeah probably not so you probably have them there then so if it is a tightly contested game tonight Great, as long as you win. Obviously, if you lose, that's not good. But if you win, that's good news. And I think it's important for the Jazz to really just send a message to everybody. Yeah, we were the number one seed, and we got to the number one seed because we're really good. Not because of your injuries, but because we're really good. And we took a Memphis team when we didn't have our best offensive player lost, and then we won four straight. That sends a little bit of a message. We're here, guys. And the road to the finals, yep, believe it or not, it goes through Salt Lake City. Yeah, I wonder deep down if other NBA players really believe that. Who? What? Believe what? That the road to the NBA Finals goes through Salt Lake City. Okay, what? There's nine guys who I really want to believe. Have them believe that. (laughs) Let me think. Uh, Mitchell Gobert. Right. (laughs) All the way down to Georgia. Conley Bogdanovich. How Mm -hmm. am I doing? (laughs) Yes. Those are the guys, the utmost that I want to have believe that this thing does go through you. And I think that based on how they play in game five, they can uh, kind of reiterate that message to themselves. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know that they can get anyone else to necessarily believe it. And that I know will... A little bit, maybe. This drives me me nuts. We've made this point over and over. You're not even going to argue with me on it. I know you think it too. You know, the whole, we need the respect. They don't think it's going to go through. Well, who cares what they think? It's you know in college football you gotta you gotta be one of the four teams that's picked and in college basketball you know where are you seated and blah 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 right but in pro sports you just win enough games to qualify and then you win either you know in the NFL a game or in the in the NBA a series and you advance so who cares maybe it's better if nobody else believes that it goes through Utah maybe you know you get one or two easy wins before they take you seriously. You know, hey, if that makes it easier to win, whatever. I'll take any advantage. Who cares? So people get really hung up on that, and it's kind of a waste of energy. Uh, To an extent, yes. But I think that the number one seed has put added pressure on them. Because uh, you are the number one seed. So you're expected. And anything less is a see I told you. Now, 
You I, can't worry about what the other guys think in the media and all those, those yeah. idiots. But I think that, I think because we've seen it, why do guys not perform as well under pressure? Why do guys perform well under pressure? That's an interesting, uh, I don't know what the answer is, study on that. And so, But I think that I always viewed Sean Miller down in Arizona when they got to the Elite Eight. He put so much pressure on yeah. the team. It's like you, you see you, it. Yeah. You're squeezing the bat to go with the baseball reference. So you don't want the pressure of the moment to be too big for you because then if it is, you're going to have a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if the Jazz take care of Memphis, basically sweep them with Mitchell, I think that reinforces they're the number one seed. That doesn't mean you're going to win number the second round. But I think it just reinforces we're really, really good here. And it sends a message, we're really good. And if you literally, each time a playoff round starts, this is literal. You can't argue. It's a black and white. If you want to beat us, you're going to have to win in Salt Lake City. That's a fact. Yes, that is a fact. And so that they've got going for them. That's the reward to be in the one seed. I do think that there is a moment or moments more likely uh, coming where things are going wrong, the other team's wildly talented, and you have to figure it out on the fly, turn it around, and dig yourself out of whatever hole you're in. You know, down seven, down 12, whatever. And the thing they're getting in the Memphis series that has been a positive is, you know, they get up 12 or 13, and Memphis makes a run, right? Yeah. And so they've got to figure out how to stop the run. The thing I think has really been positive is that they're not letting Memphis get the lead. Locks got this. No, they haven't. Locks got the stat on with Donovan back. How many minutes they've let? I mean, they've only trailed like a grand total of fifteen minutes. They took the lead in the second quarter for good. Maybe they took it in the first. I can't remember if they fell fell behind briefly in the middle of the second quarter uh, of Game Four. But that whole second half, it was just repeatedly. They went up to ten. Memphis pulled it down to four. They went up to twelve. Memphis got it down to five. You know, so they're doing it on a lower level now. The Clippers will be more talented. The Clippers will be more experienced, assuming it's the Clippers over the Mavs. And they'll probably be down by 10 or 15 in a Clipper game. Now, maybe they'll be down, you know, two games to one or something like (gasps) that. I know, right? And so that's going to be different. That's going to be a much higher bar to clear than this one. But I'm not even complaining about that right now. You'd rather be the one seed and beat up on an eight seed. Yeah, and our tough playoffs will start two weeks after your tough playoffs. You go over there and knock yourself out and beat yourself up and we'll 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 be blowing through the first round over here. It'll get it'll get hard soon enough. It'll be difficult. Yeah, and I think that that stuff in the first round by winning convincingly a four to one, if you win four to, especially with Mitchell being gone the first round, that is a convincing win. And I think that this strengthens and makes everybody more mentally tougher. And that's the way I view it, that it's a bonus for these. Not a bonus, but it's just it's something that reinforces the quality of the team. And they know, as I say, you start the series, you have to you got to come through us. you got to win here, and you're going to have to win here twice because we're going to win on your floor. That is a, that's a big yeah. thing to throw out there. Right. You know, if you can get one out of three on the road when you have home court— now they got to go two and two on your floor. Good luck with that, because the Jazz have been so good at home. Yeah, yeah, and then the, the place intensity and everything is going to ratchet up, and interest and so forth. It's a great time if you have a really good team. The playoffs in the NBA are really something that's a lot of fun, and for the fan who lives and dies by winning and losing, 
it can be torturous. I understand that. But for the players, I mean, they've they've got to love it. And I think you know Mitchell with this Dylan Brooks and and this stuff, uh, you can see him. You know, he, he made a move the other night and he got the third foul and he stuck with the three fingers. That's stuff that they enjoy. Actually, uh, it's not anything that's a detriment as long as you use it correctly. And I think they have and they've been using it in the right way, and it leads to a lot of uh, fun for these guys. So I think that they should be having the time of their lives. But Take care of Memphis now because who wants to go have to travel to Memphis? If you nope. just played the next night at your home floor, that'd be something. But that's not the way it works. Who the heck wants to uh, go to Memphis? Nobody in the NBA, they're so sick of traveling. They don't want to yeah. get on a plane and go anywhere. Not, no. They don't. It doesn't matter. You, you could be Such a downer. L.A., New York, they don't, they don't care. Right. Yeah, it doesn't really matter where they it is. They don't want to travel. It doesn't they matter that you're going by a charter you, and you're staying in a no, five-star hotel. No, no you'd rather be if, home. If you win, you get the day off. Especially this time of year. And Beautiful. coaches always use that. Take your kids to the park. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Coaches always use that. Hey, take care of business now. We're off tomorrow. Seen NFL coaches do it when the NFL Films does uh, mic'd up stuff in the locker yeah. room. It's an incentive. Oh, it's absolutely They don't need any more money. And you know the... Um, the Donovan Mitchell thing in Oklahoma City. Remember, they were in Oklahoma City and they were up three to one, and they lost Game Five. And I'd the fans are going at him right now. Yeah, and he told and he told him, "Have a nice off season. We ain't coming back." <laughs> and then they won Game Six was at home he a and won the series. Yeah, that was his rookie year. Yeah, just have so the he, gall to say that as a rookie, right? And as a rookie, he already knew it. I don't want to travel. I don't want to come back here. What do I need one more game for? I mean, sure, we could win it and win the series, but what's the point of dragging this thing out? Right. Right, get it done, and then relax. Sweet, and, and let the Nuggets or the Nuggets. I keep saying the Nuggets, but let the Mavericks and the Clippers go at it, and whatever happens, happens. And at that point, you beat these guys in four essentially with Mitchell. You really care, Clippers or Mavs? I suppose the Mavs would be easier on paper. But if they beat the Clippers... Uh, They're going to be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> and that means yeah. that uh, whatever Doncic has going on with his arm, he's probably feeling better because I just don't think with Doncic at 70% that they can beat the Clippers. They might not beat the Clippers with Doncic at 100%. Uh, they might. But at 70%, I think that would really be hard to do. Right. But and- the Clippers, are they just uh, just a total enigma? I mean, no matter how... At 3-1, didn't you think they had the Nuggets last year? I mean, the Nuggets had done it to the Jazz, but they weren't going to do it again and do it to a what we perceive to be a much better team. Yeah, I can only go as bubbleicious, and that's gone now. So we'll see a more true uh, to form thing that we expect. The Clippers are dangerous. They're very, very dangerous. They've got some wildly talented players, and they've got a lot of moving parts that can do a lot of different things for you. So I suspect that they'll win the series. It's really weird that I had never felt that confident about a team that was 0-2 winning a series. It's just bizarre. But I felt like, then I said it on Friday, when they were 0-2, that don't count these guys out, man, if they would have lost game three, obviously. But they didn't. And then Sunday night just laid into the Mavs big time. So I'd imagine Paul George, you can label him as an X-factor, as they say, uh, but I can imagine, I would think and make a strong argument, he's never had more confidence in the playoffs than he has right now. And actually, he's he's the best on their team right now, and that could change from game to game. 
but you know Leonard can do his thing, and they've got a lot of different parts. So that's going to be a tough series if it comes to pass, which I think it will. But so what, man? Great. I mean, I can argue that the toughest series the Jazz will face on the way to the conference finals is the second round. And if you got past that, that's even better. That's a great scenario. Uh, you easily can make that case that the Clippers could be the toughest opponent you face. Uh, they probably should have been the three seed. They tanked to be the four to uh, avoid the Lakers. And now the Lakers are battling injuries and worried about that. Well, maybe they wanted the Jazz more than avoiding the Lakers. I think they wanted the Jazz? Well, they wanted the four seed. So That's could, not there's, deniable. There's multiple layers that go with getting that seed. You wanted yeah. that seed for a particular reason. And the reason is, well, you wanted the first round, but maybe you wanted to orchestrate second and third rounds too. They'll never admit it. No, but it doesn't matter. It goes back to what do nine guys believe. And if that gets them irritated and that helps them find a little more energy and a little more focus, a little more concentration... Whatever it takes. Well, I'm going to tell Joe that the Clippers deliberately tanked so they could get you guys in the second <laughs> round. First they cut you, Joe. Now they're tanking to get you oh, again. Right. They did cut you. Yeah. Well, then Joe, I don't have access. I mean, I could call Joe if I wanted, but I don't have access to the rest of the guys. But he can tell them. Yeah. And get you them. do have access. You got Twitter. You know Go Bears on social media. I, and would, he, I would never tweet at them. <laughs> That's not my way. <laughs> I know. But if you want it, you can. You've got access. I don't, I don't want Everybody's that. got access. That's true. <laughs> but I doubt Gobert has any clue who I am, so he would just be like, uh, You totally underestimate yourself. I don't think Gobert has. Mitchell, maybe. Conley, maybe. Gobert. Because I don't think Gobert is listening because he doesn't care what the Utes are doing. No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, or the Cougars. I mean, he. But he cares what people say about the Jazz. Correct. But I think those other guys, there might be a possibility of them listening for other sports. Because my guess is Mike Conley and, oh, and Donovan be, are sports fans. Are they listening for Joe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably maybe then they were aware yeah. of that. Yeah. But I would think like in October and, no, and November when their season is either barely getting going or hasn't gone yet under the, whatever the circumstances that year, they would be interested in. I mean, Mitchell's gone to Ute games. Yeah, yeah. And so he's probably but, a fan of college but football. But I can, I can totally see him uh, on his phone listening to a Louisville station and hear people talk about his college team too. So, I mean, we're all, yeah. you know, we know because we hear from Ute and Cougar and Jazz fans who are in Florida and California. But know. I doubt the foreign players are fans would seem, of the yeah, sports that we likely. as Americans right. get involved in. But they might know who you are because Joe's on. He might listen to Joe and then bust Joe's chops over whatever Joe says. <laughs> Maybe so. But Gobert, he doesn't need any more motivation. He wakes up with it. <laughs> yeah. And what a story if they were to pull it off. It would be so cool. Hey, he's the one who's tweeted out, you know, our time is coming and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, So, And you got to visualize it and believe it before it happens, and he's certainly done that over and over. And Mitchell's talked about it. Oh, I think Mitchell sees it. When you say visualize it, I think he literally sees the time yeah. coming. And we were talking about this yesterday about, you know, he's – and you've talked about his clutchiness and he's just different and you can build a championship team around him. He can be the best player on a title team and all that. And go back to his rookie season and think of all the people who talked to him at the end of the games. How many people saw it in him, right? LeBron did. Dwayne Wade did. 
You know, the biggest stars of that, it's only four years ago, but that's pro sports for you. Things change so fast. I remember Paul George said it. Yeah, Paul George. Remember that? Right? Yeah. The biggest stars of that era completely embraced him, literally, after games, multiple times. Yeah. Because they all thought it was coming. Now, is it coming now? He's still a little on the young side. The team isn't on the young side, but he is on the young side for a champion. But we're seeing with sports now, uh, we see it in golf, certainly. Uh, we saw it with Mahomes in the NFL. Guys are coming in more prepared to win at a younger age, and it's happening. It's not happening for everybody, but it is happening. He's not young enough. He's not too young, I should say, because he has had the burden from day one, and it was unusual that it was placed upon him. The two greatest jazz players in the franchise history didn't have it placed on them the way he did at his age. So I think that's hastened his development because he has been the face of this franchise now for four years. Was he two for 17 or three for 17? What were those shooting games that first month of the season? I think it was like a three for 17 and maybe even like a one or two for 20 or something. Yeah. And... And it was full steam ahead. Credit it's all part of the them. process. Yeah, credit for them that yeah. uh, the Lindsay and Zanuck, and and if Zanuck was here, he might have been gone at the time. Uh, but then obviously Quinn Snyder was here, and they went with that. And they wrote it, and they're better for it. There's no question they're better for it. So I believe he's ready right now yeah. at 24 years of age to lead this team from the offensive standpoint. And then what's cool about it is that he doesn't have to lead the team in all aspects, and he doesn't have to lead the team all the time. Because there's enough talent that the burden of being uh, the shot maker is well, shared. Yeah, LeBron in Cleveland, right? Where he had to do everything all the time, and the minutes he was off the court were yeah. a disaster because they had no depth. Right. And uh, he couldn't give the ball up and go in the corner. Mitchell will do that sometimes, give the ball up, let Joe. You know, Joe came in, Joe came in and had four assists real quick in game four for a little stretch where they had him run the offense. And I even think with Jordan that he had to be the leader of everything. At all times. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Mitchell has to be that. He's certainly not the leader on defense. You know, you know you've got that anchor there who can do so many different things. That's why I don't believe in and of himself he could get it done. But with his talent combined with the guys on the roster, I believe they can get it done with him leading the way on offense. Well, first things first, they got to beat the Grizzlies. Make sure you don't have to go back on a plane and fly back to Tennessee for a game six. Wrap it up. And then have a few days off and see if you have a game one Sunday or if it gets pushed back even further. No, I want Sunday. I do too. But we won't know that for sure until Friday night. Right. I think we can expect it, but we won't know it. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. He's kind of a sneaky quiet. He whispers, but you can hear him. And I think he impacts the game so many ways, you know, and in those instances, it's obviously those are making big plays. His presence on the court is so settling. Quinn Snyder talking about Mike Conley. He's having a good series against the Grizzlies, making some big plays. They're up 3-1, to one. ready for a closeout game tonight, PK. 
Yeah, Conley's a difference maker. I mean, it's just a real, real plus to have him. And yes, I certainly am ready for a closeout game. I think they need to do it, set themselves up to be ready to go at full speed, 100% for round two, obviously. This is a duration in which they want to be playing a lot of games. And so the better, the sooner you can do it, obviously, the better. And Conley, this is the Conley that I thought we were going to get. But I thought we were also going to get it in the second season more consistently. We got it to a degree last year for sure at the latter part, but then it was so screwy with the three-month off and all that stuff. But this is who Conley is as an NBA player, and it's nice. It's very, very nice to have him. We'll see if he comes up with a couple more big plays in this game tonight. It's 7.30, tip time, NBA TV, AT&T Sportsnet. Pre-game show here on The Zone starts at 6.30. I'm Jack, I'm going to start painting my upper body around 5.30. Nice. Which color are you going with? Jazz have been wearing a lot of colors lately, yeah, selling well, a lot of jerseys. I don't know if you noticed. You could go with some green, or you could go with the all a rainbow gold. of colors? Like the light blue. Well, that's a different option. I was thinking solid green, solid gold, the solid light blue. Oh, I understand, but you're saying that they have a rainbow of colors, basically. They've, they've worn purple, they've worn black. Yeah, I mean, I can think of at least five colors they've worn, and I'm probably leaving something out. Well, I like the cl- the red clay color, what the, which is not by itself. But oh, when, when they that... do the yellow, yeah, orange, yeah, yeah, yeah. red, black. Yes, I agree. I, and I think that's the one that best fits Utah. I mean, we all think Red Rock when we see that. We've all been to Utah. And I think those are the ones that best fits my body, too. Oh, boy. All right. Jazz owner Ryan Smith has provided complimentary tickets. For courtside seats, lodging, and car service for a group of family and friends. Car service. Isn't that transportation? Yeah. What did we get? I saw that yesterday. Car service. Car service. That's awkward. <laughs> transportation. <laughs> car service, I think they're picking you up for the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. <laughs> Come over and change your oil? Because now we just say, uh, you know, I grabbed an Uber or, you know, Lyft or whatever. I saw that. Why didn't they just use but car service? I think the dude's got on, he's, he's probably about 6'4". He's got on the uh, the black suit. He's probably got the little uh, goofy hat on. He might even speak with a fine English accent, but I'm not going to do that on the air because then Yako will make it into a drop and you'll torment me with it. No, I don't know about that. Uh, I've never had car service, so I don't know what accents they speak in. So John Morant's dad uh, will be there, and there's going to be some friends too, but... Uh, Mom doesn't want to go through it again. She's going to watch at home. She doesn't want to be in the crowd on the road. So they have to provide flights on their own, which probably they were doing anyway, I guess. Because it doesn't say that, right? It does not say that. It doesn't. But he's probably coming. Yeah. Kid's not making huge, huge money, but for a guy on the street, he's making big money. I had people sending me how much money he's making. That's like, that's not the point. <laughs> it's like... He's going to be making huge, huge money. He's making... But he needs... This is only his second year, right? Yeah, he's so making... he's got a couple years to go. He's making really big money, and he's going to make much, much bigger money. Well, he's not making big NBA money. Right. But he's going to. Yes, he is. He's a marvelous player. Fun to watch. And he will be a max player. I wish I... I'm a minimum player. <laughs> I'm a mini player. He's at $9 million right now, and that is going to go... Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, nine, second pick? 9.1. Yes. Zion. Yeah, 9.1, and then he'll go to 9.6, and then he gets $12 million, and then he'll get the 30-whatever million. That's sh- what do you do with all that? I have no idea. I mean, you got to go meet with some 
financial tax guy and <laughs> been invested. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Dame goes left, gives up to Mello, back to Dame with Austin Rivers on him. Bounces off of Gordon again from way down. Tail baked it in! There's the NBA record! Damian Lillard with his 12th three of the game. He's got 55. And we got our ass kicked. I mean, it's just that simple. Um, they did, got to whatever they wanted to get to in this game. And, uh, you know, we got to be better, obviously, if we want to force a game seven. So, obviously, a lot to uh, learn from in this game, a lot to cover. See, uh, you know, what we got to do better going into game six. But, uh, I mean, they, they pretty much just kicked their asses. I mean, there's nothing else really to say. Anthony Davis, uh, I told you, the Lakers can't win this, 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 this series. Forget about the championship. They can't win this series without uh, street clothes. <laughs> I'm not even. You want to explain that? I call him after the street clothes Davis because he's always in street clothes. <laughs> you ain't got to explain it, Chuck. Damn, really? What do you got to explain? The TV guy, Ernie, Ernie, what's his face? Just, ooh, ooh, Ernie ooh, Johnson. Ooh, 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 he may have said something negative of a player. Ooh, 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 ooh. The nervous laughter. Come on, he's telling the truth. The guy's injury prone. He's fragile. He's hurt a lot, and he's hurt again. Doesn't mean he's a bad dude, nor does it mean he's faking it by any stretch. No, he's not faking it. No, he's hurt. But all the other times, not just this time. Lakers were down 30 at halftime. Game was over early. Gave us all a chance to focus on the Portland-Denver game because the Suns were going up 3-2, and there was nothing that was going to change. I was harkening back to my uh, early times in Phoenix. I was happy for people I haven't seen in 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you are. <laughs> Meanwhile, we were watching the Nuggets and the Blazers, and Damian Lillard, with very, very minimal help from his team, put on an incredible show. In double overtime, Denver wins at 147-140. Lillard hit a three to force OT. They got down by eight in OT. He hit threes on three straight possessions to force double overtime. Why didn't Denver foul? Everybody Uh, wants to know. Coach Mikey. (laughs) Double team at half court and foul. Or let somebody else. When you're up three, what is the point of having defenders inside the three-point line? No idea. No Give clue. them the two. And he did a step back inside the three-point line, which would have been a great time to foul him because he would have gotten three free throws. But, he, I mean, you look at Jokic. Why are you inside the three-point line? Get outside. Overplay them. Yes. And run towards Lillard. And if somebody else beat, or Taja in this case, because they didn't beat you, so be it. But Coach Mikey, man, I know he likes to be, he doesn't like to be called Mike. Coach Mikey, what were you thinking? You're fortunate enough that Denver or the uh, Portland couldn't have anybody outside. Lillard hit a shot. The other guys finished the game by mi- missing 18 of their last 19 shots. Yeah. And C.J. McCollum ended a possession by stepping out of bounds. By a foot and a half, practically. <laughs> it wasn't even anything that was debatable. The sidelines right there. What are you doing? I mean, he went way back. But yeah. that right foot all the way out of bounds. Lillard scored the last 17 points of the game. Now they're down 3-2, to two, and Denver on the verge. We're not there yet. Well, I think it's still wide open. Wide open? Either team, yeah. I don't, I don't favor. Yeah, I mean, you obviously have to favor Denver slightly, but in each individual game, I don't know that I favor them. 
if they have, obviously they're going to have a game six, and if Portland wins that, then a game seven, it's not like I feel like, oh, Denver has a decided advantage. They have a decided advantage because they only have to win one and the other team has to win two, but each individual game, you don't have to win two, you just have to win that game. And in that game, I don't think either team has a decided advantage. All right, I'll give you that, but because the Nuggets only have to win once... Generally, I, I, I don't think that matters. It's very rare that I see a team I go know, up 3-2 this. and pick the team you, that's at 2. I, I know, but you, you always go to history. I mean, oh, it's okay. very rare, which means that there are plenty of times. Just like, oh, Dallas is up 0-2 or 2-0, and they were the fourth team and 84,000 tries that has only blown on 0-2. Well, they have. Yep. That, that, that doesn't mean nothing. That means nothing in this case. If it were history were to be decided, then it would be decided. But it's not. It drives me friggin' nuts. And I'm pissed already, and I shouldn't be, because I had a great morning driving in. Did you really? Yes, I listened I to some Kenny Chesney so many- and Kelsey Ballerini. Then I flicked over Frank Sinatra, I Thought of You. And then I flicked over some more on the Elvis station. And I got Viva Las Vegas, which brings back many beautiful memories of the Utes. Many, many times. West Conference tournament. Not just tournaments, but when they would play Vegas mm. each season. And Vegas always had a ton of talent, but Majerus would freaking out-coach whoever was on the other side. And they'd win almost literally every time. And he's Elvis screaming, Viva Las Vegas? Yes. Those were great memories. I came in with a smile on my face, and you ruined it. Yeah, well, I think the Nuggets are going to beat the Blazers. But anyway. Good. Now I'm going to be a hardcore Portland fan. Absolutely. Go Blazers. Enos, you're my guy. <laughs> I think he had the one in the one for 19, didn't he? Wasn't it his putback? I, I think know. that was the one. Well, they should be doing clear outs for Enos. Nets beat the Celtics 123-109, so the Celtics are done. The Nets are moving on to play the Milwaukee Bucks. James Harden said something on an on-court interview, obviously after the game, that really made me think this is going to be the team to beat. He said, with our offensive, just powerful, powerhouse offense that they have, if we can get three or four stops in a row during the games, we're not going to lose. They don't need to be a great defensive team. I agree. I think that's 100% spot on. And I was listening to him saying that, and I thought, that's very, very insightful. You just have to dig in a few times a game, basically, because with this offense that you got, and these three guys capable, each one of them, of going for 50, and I think Harden has had his best season ever. It's a fragmented season and all, because he didn't start it, and then he was hurt for a while. So he won't get any MVP run. Obviously, he's not even in the three finalists. But he's the guy who's making it work. But I think that watching him play, and we've all watched him when he was with Houston all those years and even back to OKC, this is the best season that he's having because he's not just dominating the ball. He's got the ball, but it's not just sticking completely with him. It's really fun to watch him play, and I know people around here hate him. But he's got teammates he trusts now. He's giving the ball up. He's creating for other people. He's still, you, you got to defend him. I mean, he's still shooting a lot and scoring a lot. But a lot of possessions, he gets really good shots for other guys. And way, and it's like what you said, it's way more than in Houston. But he's got better teammates and he trusts them more. So he doesn't feel like he has to do it all. So of the three guys, that's he's the guy I feel like who's adapting his game most to the talent around him. Durant's so good, he just shouldn't. I he think he Irving is too. Anybody. But Durant's Durant. Right, exactly. 
And I think Irving has, has had to learn how to play with Harden. So I put both of them. Durant, wherever he goes, you just let him do his thing. Yes. He's that good. He is that good. And are there any other teams in the league that what Harden said about is uh, true? Because I'm thinking of one team. What? That if they get four stops in a row, they're going to win. I mean, the Jazz, all these 10-0 runs, and Locke's got the set. They finally lost a game. It's not They were undefeated for a long time. They lost a game in the regular season to somebody when Donovan was out. They had a 10-0 Yeah, run. but we, it's, the jazz, it's not the Jazz versus everybody in the league. It's the Jazz versus the Nets, and I would give the, the edge to the Nets in that. Yeah, I, I can see why you would do that. But that still means the Jazz can get to the finals. If they can get four stops in a row. That's not breaking news. You have the score, best record in the West. Why couldn't you get to the finals? Then a 10-0 run. But plenty of people think the Clippers are saying what they think. Right. But the Jazz get four stops in a row. I only care what I think. They get the 10-0 run. They win the game. And occasionally what you think, only because it drives me nuts. Tonight, Wizards Sixers, 5 o'clock. Philly is up three games to one. They can close it out. That game's on NBA TV before the Jazz game. TNT has got the Hawks and Knicks at 5.30. Atlanta's up 3-1. They can end it at Madison Square Garden. And then the Mavericks and the Clippers at 8 o'clock on TNT. That series is tied 2-2. If Philly had Embiid, I would think they would close that out. Not everybody's forthcoming on injuries, but I'm not expecting Embiid. He's officially doubtful. Well, he's played a couple of games. What do you expect? you got to take some time off. Who misses more games, Embiid or Anthony Davis? I think Embiid misses more for, I don't want to say trivial injuries, but basically load management. I think the first time I saw load management, it was attached to his name. Mm. As I said earlier, I believe Anthony Davis's injuries are real injuries. Or maybe his frame, I don't know, whatever the reason is, but he seems to be injury prone. Hence the street clothes comments. Hawks and Knicks, got any faith in Atlanta closing this out on the road? Oh, totally. Really? I was kind of expecting a game six in Atlanta. Oh, I think they're the better team. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. The the records are very similar, but they've been much better since uh, coaching change. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I felt it was the the right thing to do if I wanted to play. I felt relatively healthy, all things considered, at the end of a season. Um, but you know, just just felt like like I had I had more in the tank, and, and just felt disappointed about the way the season ended. Obviously, and, and, and hate to go out that way. So, just wanted to let them know that if they if they wanted me back, I, I felt like I could give them you know everything I got. Ben Roethlisberger taking a pay cut, restructuring the contract, coming back for the Steelers. Feels like he's getting near the end of the line there, but he's going to do one more year in Pittsburgh. I didn't think he said he was going to retire after this season. No, but apparently the way they restructured the pay cut sets it up that it's going to be hard to keep him for another year. So I don't know that he'll retire either, but I don't know that he'll be in Pittsburgh. Maybe they'll find a way again. Bills restructured Stephon Diggs' contract, converting $11.7 million of his base salary into a signing bonus. That'll help the franchise save roughly $8 million in cap space. Now Buffalo's got $11 million in cap space. What will they do with it? What pieces will they add to the puzzle? Use it wisely. I think they're a team on the come that's going to be in the playoffs for the next few years there with Josh Allen leading the way. They are not far away from a Super Bowl. 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach Bruce Arians said he's uncertain how much quarterback Tom Brady would do during the franchise's mandatory minicamp. Brady had offseason knee surgery, and Arians said, I don't know how much I'll let him do with guys chasing him around. We'll see what the doctors say. He may be doing a lot of coaching. Yeah. Wrap Tom Brady in bubble wrap in the offseason. It's not about the offseason. Get him through it. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Florida Gators coach Dan Mullen gets a three-year contract extension through the 2026 season. His annual salary goes to $7.6 million. Third highest paid coach in the SEC behind Alabama's Nick Saban and LSU's Ed Orgeron. Saban's at $9.1 million, Orgeron at $8.7 million. Saban's got the multiple national titles, Orgeron's got one. Big expectations for Dan Mullen at Florida. Yeah? It got- seemed like Florida and Georgia. Florida and Georgia in that division. They're on the same line. To see who gets to... uh, That's good. Got it. Thank you. I love my country. One of their tunes. But they they don't seem to get to the top, but they always seem to be really good. They're really good, but can they get past Georgia to get to the SEC title game, and then can they win it? I'm talking about both of those teams. Both of those programs seem to be really good. Yes. But they They, don't seem to get to all the way. Right. But... If I was a fan of either of them, I'd be fine. And you'd pay your coach. Because my team, my team doesn't get to that level. So is Dan Mullen getting this because they think he's about to get past Georgia? Because they feel like Georgia's a half, half step in, in front of Florida. I think he's or a hot is he... candidate. And, yeah. He's and got they... the look and NFL maybe snooping around. And they weren't in the mix before him. So he's getting paid for getting him back in the mix. Well... Immediately before him, before right. him, before him, they were. Before him, before him, they were at the top. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The 0-1. Swung on, there it goes. Deep left field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. A walk-off, bottom of the 11th, game-winning, two-run home run. Frazier, Clint Frazier. Frazier goes downtown. He hits a two-run, game-winning walk-off home run, and the Yankees beat Tampa in 11 by the score of 5-3. Reddick digs in, first pitch to him from May. And a line drive down the right field line. Fair ball into the corner. Extra bases, one in. Here comes the running run of the plate, Paven Smith, and the Diamondbacks walk it off. Reddick delivers a two-run double, and the Diamondbacks come from behind and beat the Mets in 10 innings, 6-5. to five. Highlights from Major League Baseball. You got the Yankees beating the Rays, which has been hard to do. The Rays have lost a couple times in three weeks. Diamondbacks beating the Mets there. That was Josh Reddick with the two-run double in the 10th inning. Got everybody hollering. Padres lose. Fernando Tatis Jr. precautionary move. Tightness in his midsection. He's already missed a couple of games or missed stre- a stretch of games twice this year. They're listing his day to day here, so maybe not a stretch. I of had games tightness here. in my midsection, but the problem was I was like twenty. Now it's very loose in my midsection, despite all the sit-ups. Cardinals beat the Dodgers three to two. So the Dodgers and Padres both beaten. That's good news for the Giants. Yes, it is. It's great news for us. Us? First team I ever rooted for was the San Francisco Giants. (laughs) You got so many teams. I can't even keep track. Love the game. 
So you got the Giants, you got the Dodgers, you got the Angels, you got the Diamondbacks. Uh, well, you if you want to go in, yeah, as you say, if you want to go in order, I'd put the Phillies second, Giants first, first team you ever rooted for. Well, I don't mean now. I meant in chronological order. Uh huh. I'd say it was the. I loved Willie Mays, even though I don't even know he was on the team. Uh, and then the, the Phillies. I was a big fan of theirs. And then, then I move out to Phoenix and get the Dodger games on the radio. Vin Scully grew up listening to him. So then, then I come here, and even though they, when they had the Twins, not so much, but when they got the Angels affiliation, uh, and then I live there too. Then I move there, huh? and I end up having. I was never a baseball beat writer, but there's so many games that you did vacation relief. So by I I was like forced to follow him. You know what I mean? Yep, it's part so, of work. Yeah, because at any given time I could look on the schedule and see a three game series was mine, and you had to know you had to step in. And I'm trying to make my mark, so I had to be aware. I couldn't be a you know a hindrance to the to the yeah. newspaper. So certainly them. And then the Dimebacks came into existence. So yeah, a bunch. National Steven Strasburg. Left early, tight right trapezius muscle, making his third start since a month-long start on the uh, injured list. He'll get an MRI today. He's been hurt a lot, too. Yeah, Street clothes, uh, Strasburg. Strasburg. <laughs> that actually works <laughs> a little better. The injured list. <laughs> Bees were swept by the Round Rock Express, lost the finale of their six-game series, 4-3. to three. Six-game home series with the Albuquerque Isotopes tomorrow at 6 That's a Dodgers AAA, isn't it? Is it back to Dodgers now? I don't think it ever left, did it? I thought it did briefly. They were in Oklahoma City for a while. Yeah. The Dodgers? Yeah. On a three-game trip, maybe. I've been to that ballpark in OKC. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it is. They got that, what do they call that area? Uh, I can't think of what they call it, but it'd be like Lodo in Denver or something. It's an area, and they got restaurants and whatnot. And For work, I've been there. BYU had an NCAA tournament appearance there once. Did they? Yeah. BYU basketball got sent there once. Oh, we're talking baseball. Yeah, they can overlap with baseball, can it? No, they wouldn't be started that early. Never mind, I take that back. Uh, yes, and they did. That was uh, Jimmer. What is training brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Tim McComb. Jazz studio analyst at 830, Shane Young, NBA analyst and columnist for Forbes Sports. He's covering the Clippers closely. So, under the theory that this one's done and Yach's ready to look ahead. Yach, don't be around the team. You're jinxing that attitude. Quinn will let you have it. How about the Clippers? They're only 2-2. Yep. I thought you were talking about the Clippers jinxing them. No, I don't think anybody cares if Clippers get jinxed or not. I expect Yach will have someone who's covering the Mavs closely tomorrow. Unless the Clippers humiliate him in Game 5, then they'll just write it off. I don't want to have don't have somebody who covers the Clippers closely. You mean I mean the Mavs. I don't want to talk about the Mavs. What, the freaking what talk if about they the win Mavs? Game 5? I mean, I realize you don't think they're going to, but if they do, Yach will be prepared. Well, okay, well, I'm going to sit it out. <laughs> okay, <laughs> do that. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The question of the day, coming up. Number one. Make us your number one pick. 
The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes of Toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. No, listen, you said you said, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell said the job. Ain't done, but I would ask, is the jaw done? Ah, no. They'll both be done at the same time. I don't know about that one. No, indeed. Jaw won't be done until he dunks on Rudy. They could be done much, much earlier. You know, the jazz up 20. You're going to DM him, take him out, Donovan Mitchell him. I'm looking for the jazz to DM jaw. My wife thought his name was John all this time. She just figured out, that, oh, it's Jaw? What is Jaw? I said, well, it's actually Jamel and the J-A. But Demetrius is his first name. Jamel is his middle name, and they just shortened it to J-A. So is the Jaw done? The job may not be done, but is the Jaw done? No, he's not done. I could make a strong argument that emotionally you're just coming here to get beat. Yes, you could. Did you start to get that feeling in the uh, end of game four? Start to see that doubt creeping in? Well, once you go up 3-1. I don't think in the, in the actual game, you know, maybe the final minute or so, but I think that they thought they had a shot. And then the Jazz took over, as they've done both games, very similar games in terms of it being close with four, five, six minutes to go, and the Jazz just pulling away at the end there. So maybe not in the moment as the game's being played, but when you're down 3-1, no team who's ever had the best record has lost an eight seed with a 3-1 lead. You love to go history, and there's freaking history you can go whatever point you're trying to make. And I just made one. There it is. You hated it in the last segment. You're doing it in this well, segment. I'm doing it the for you. Hypocrisy. Yeah, to shut you the hell up. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> okay, but not on this point. Because you're a big history dude. Okay, name me a one seed that's lost to an eighth seed after having a 3-1 lead. I'm, I can't do to, it. I'm trying to prove how absurd it is. So then you say... The jaw is not done, but yes, you just use your stats to whatever stats you did before. I, I zoned out on that. Uh, you, zoned out, good. Well you played. and the other guy, you go back and forth on it. Meanwhile, I get my I get my winks, so I'm more fresh. Uh, and so, if I go that, if that means anything, or if it means everything as it does to you, then this thing is over because no team who's been the one seed has ever lost after having a three-one lead against the eight seed. So, ha 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 ha. Anybody expecting anything other than a closeout in Game Five? Cameron thinks it's going to be a cage fight. Cage. It's going to be a basketball game. Well, mostly our guys getting the crap kicked out of them and the refs letting Memphis get away with it. Oh, brother. 
Ever see above the rim when the Birdmen play against Kyle's team in the final? That's how I see it being played out. Haven't seen that. Chris Anderson, the Birdman? I don't think that Birdman, but I don't know. I haven't seen above the rim to let you know. Expect a fight, but the Jazz are too much for the Grizzlies. They should end it. Chris. They should. That is a reasonable prediction right there, Chris. Grizzlies will push back for a while, and then the Jazz should pull away. Hector says they're closing it out. There will be no repeat of last year. Um, Last year's the last thing on my mind. This is a totally different deal. I'm coming today to put shirts over the seats. I'm so jacked. (laughs) Is that what you're going to do? I'm a team player. At a kid. I'm down with the cause. Sooner or later, you got to play like the number one seed against the number eight seed, Darren says, and hopefully we'll do it tonight. Sooner or later? They've been doing it for three games. I mean, sooner or later. I don't know. I thought that was a little bit of a downer from Darren right there. Well, it doesn't make any sense. You're up 3 1. You've done it three times. Sooner or later? What are you talking about? Jay DeButter says, I think we'll be fine as long as we match or exceed their intensity. Can only imagine how the crowd's going to be. That watch party on Saturday was absolutely insane. Felt like it was a home game. I vote you guys do way more watch parties. All right. That's one vote. Watch party. We have nothing to do with that. Whoever you guys are, have more watch parties. Yeah, you guys. <laughs> I don't know who's in charge of watch parties. <laughs> but sure, drum up uh, as much enthusiasm yep. among the fan base as you can. I'm all for it. I could, if that worked for you and you came down and you had a good time, great. I think it's great for all the cord cutters out there who are struggling to see games. You know, that was a good option. They could come down and, and see the game. I know Bowler will have him on. He said he loved it. The energy in the building, having been broadcasting in empty buildings, he thought that was great. So, uh, of course. That's two votes for good energy, people fired up, having a good time. Well, sure, yeah. Who wouldn't want that? Daniel expects the blowout that we haven't seen in this series. Jazz by 30. Pouring it on. You know, I give a lot of respect to Memphis, though, so I don't know that I see a 30-pointer. And to me, that's not negative upon the Jazz. It's more of the Grizzlies, and Dylan Brooks is a, is a fighter and a battler. You know, he gets on your skin. I understand all that. But he's given everything he has. And you watch them, Jenkins coaching, coaching his butt off on all that stuff. And, and you know, I can't fault Memphis for stupid play or not playing as hard as they can, any of that. I, I commend them. I mean, they're outmanned in this situation. You stack up the bodies one by one, and the Jazz are going to win that battle, which is why they're up 3-1. But that doesn't mean that Memphis is for lack of trying by any stretch. So I've been entertained on this series because the games have been fairly close, close enough. A little tension there, and I know for a fan base, if you're if they, you're the fan who lives and dies by the winning and losing, you'd prefer not to have that, but I don't do that. And I enjoy the competition of it, and whatever happens, happens. And when it's over, it's over. Uh, so... From that perspective, it's been fun to watch. 
I mean, this is this is what playoff basketball is about, man, and seeing guys battle. And then they do that. They do that very well. And I would suspect they're going to do that well again tonight, even if they come up short, which I expect is going to happen too. Shane says the Grizzlies aren't going to just roll over. Shane is right. Shane is with you. I don't think so. I haven't seen it. They aren't going to roll over. No. So I appreciate what they're doing. They're just outmanned, as they should be, as the eighth seed versus the number one seed. That's the way it goes. They should be, and they are. But that doesn't take away from the performance that they're putting out there. If I'm a Memphis fan, uh, I have hope. Get some more pieces, and you've got something. They did a they did a pretty good job rebuilding from the Conley, Zach Randolph, Marcus Gasol era to now. Didn't seem like it was that long, and they hit plummeted that some of these franchises that the Clippers used to do, that the Warriors used to do, and that the Kings seem to always do, Mm -hmm. and Minnesota always seems to be doing. I mean, that's four teams. How many teams we got in the East, or in the West? Fifteen? Yeah. I mean, that's almost a third of the teams suck every year. Getting down and staying down. (laughs) Yeah, and it didn't seem like Memphis has done that. Well, I think the Clippers haven't. I mean, for a decade now, the Clippers have been fine. Right, but it's still a third of the teams. It was horrible. Almost a third of the teams. Now, they haven't been consecutive concurrently. The Warriors was the 90s and the early 2000s. And and Phoenix for 10 years. The, The Phoenix took the Warriors' place and kind of traded off. Right. As the Warriors got good, Phoenix went but into still, their But still, a third of the teams have, have had, had to endure long have down to, periods. Have had to endure a lost yeah. decade or longer. Yeah, that's way, Memphis way too rebuilt, long in a league where you only need a couple players to be competitive. Memphis rebuilt the way the Jazz did. They missed the playoffs for three years. And maybe it's easy for me to say, because I'm not a Memphis fan, I'm not following closely, but didn't seem that long. Well, I think... And they had to wait... And they get the, the situation where Morant's there, available to them. They've got the two-pick. Williamson is obvious number one pick. They can jettison Conley, and it worked out. So those those made, they made some good moves there. I'd have to look at all their draft picks to see how many sucked or how many were good. But obviously picking up Brooks in the second round was an excellent pick. That was a win. For sure. Yeah. So good on them. I like their future. I don't know that they're going to be a team that's competing for a title in the next five years, but there should be plenty of fun times as a fan watching them through the dreary days of the winter and the freezing sleet rain stuff that you get in Memphis, having been there a number of times. Uh, So good for them. All that aside, Jazz got to go take care of biz tonight. This is what matters. I just I expect Mitchell just to come out with just what what are we looking for what cliche? I was gonna say fire in the eyes. Is that a cliche? That was actually the one I was thinking. <laughs> Hair on fire. Yeah, because you know he knows that three one deal. Why give these guys any 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 form of life? It just doesn't make any sense. There's no need to. He is the king of slow starts and big second halves when it comes to his scoring. Well, it's good to be the king of something. Yes. So I'm the king of nothing. That's not true. I'm not certainly not my castle. You're the king of morning radio. I don't have a castle. Yeah, but no one's ever recognized that outside of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I just did, but okay, ignore that. 
<laughs> no one's ever recognized it. What about like literally two seconds ago? Okay, but you you can't put money in my pocket. You can't put steak on my table. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Call hands, he'll help you out. <laughs> hands, we got an emergency steak need. Please deliver. Sixty seconds, there'll be steaks here. Steaks? Oh yeah. Remember that one time I was talking about uh, pies from uh, Costco. The guy shows up when we were at yeah, the other building. Yeah, that was he funny. shows up with pie. <laughs> he shows up with pie. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> okay, that was radio. Literally <laughs> in the morning for a big slab of pie. Yeah, that was funny though. Granted. It was. All right, DJ and PK, we got multiple questions. So we got unity in the community. The Jazz oh, should do it tonight. It's funny you say that. I we know got we a few outliers. Go we got to go to break. Yeah. But my wife came home yesterday, uh-huh. and she said, man, the Jazz just really, really rallied the community. She's in a golf league. The ladies were talking about it. Then she went to Costco, and she heard people talking about that. Then she went to get her nails done, and she and they're talking at the nail shop all about the Jazz. And she came home yesterday, and everywhere you go, people are talking about it. They're so excited about it. I said, yeah, man, that, that is the effect of this team. There's no doubt about that. When they're playing well, especially this, this time really of year, gets behind it. Yeah, get to the playoffs. People yeah, get fired up. Agreed. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Part two, best player to come out of a Utah college. We will get to that next because the guy who's number one just reminded of us again. But that led to a really good question from uh, one of the people posting, so we'll get to that next. Stay with us. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and we are brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repairs expert. For a free quote for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. Breaking news from Woj. Boston Celtics president Danny Ainge is seriously considering his future with the franchise and could make a decision to step down. Really? Yeah, Danny Ainge, best player ever to play college ball in the state of Utah. Ah, nice seg. <laughs> Knew you'd like that. <laughs> Danny Ainge, sixty, just turned sixty-two, hanging it up. I think in March, yeah, yeah, or setting himself up for one more job before he hangs it up. Oh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Sixty-two is certainly uh, young enough. Well, he's had a little heart issues, I think. He could retire at sixty-two. That wouldn't be outrageous. But it also wouldn't be unheard of in sports to step away from a job and take one more job and turn one more team around. No, I told you that I heard Bruce Bochy once back in in baseball. Mm-hmm. He's right there. I think he was like 63, 64 when he stepped away. It looked like the Giants were going down, although now they've, they've rallied and doing very, very well under, uh, what's his name, Kapler this year. Uh, so, yeah. He's probably looking at Tony La Russa at 75 and saying, I can still do that. Oh, yeah. Tony. Old-time Tony. Don't celebrate. <laughs> so what PK was referencing there was a question he posted earlier on our Facebook page. Damian Lillard's the best NBA player to come out of a Utah college. How could anybody argue? And many people did not. Jim, no question. No argument. Dallin, damn straight. He's a clutch player. Probably the best I've seen. Yeah, but see, I didn't say that uh, Danny Ainge was the best pro to come out. I said he was the best college player. Mm-hmm. Two different things. Yes. 
You phrased it carefully. That's what you're doing. Now, Lillard at the NBA level, and this is as fresh as last night, so obviously you have immediacy bias when he's draining threes left and right. Jeez, my goodness. And carrying his team when everybody else on his team literally sucks and can't do it. Make, literally can't make one basket, most of them. They were one of 19, he said. Yep. Uh, so He was six yeah. of eight and scored the last 17 yeah. points. Everybody else went one for 19. Pretty doggone impressive. And he's a smaller dude, so you know he's not right at the bucket. It's all stuff in the from when this case was threes. And he has that uh, reputation, well-deserved, because of the fact that he's made so many of those. Uh, but if you're just going strictly on NBA, if you're going on Pro Bowl, I think you got to give it to Jimmer. What are you doing? If you were going on Pro Bowl, what are you talking about? Because you're going to define China as Pro Bowl, and he's if you're getting paid, China. that's Pro Bowl. Yes. Yeah. So put all the Duke guys in college when they're getting paid. Hey, oh. <laughs> Pro ball. <laughs> or, Cherokee or, Parks, where are you? DeAndre Ayton and take a fake cut to go to the Suns, huh? <laughs> so if you just go, if you want to be snobbish and just go exclusively NBA. Yes, that's I think what most people want to do. Okay, well, I, I'm inclusive, buddy. So if you just want to stick to your league, then. I think you go Lillard one, Chambers two. So we have a lot of people. Lance says, honestly, a better thread would be who's second best behind Damian. And we've got multiple people here. A lot of them go Chambers two, but there's quite a few of them are going Ainge number two. But I think they're two, three. Uh, Really? Now, we got some, like Aaron, he's got Andre Miller, three, Mel Hutchins, yeah, four, Danny Ainge, five. Shouldn't Andre Miller get serious run? He should get run, but I don't think he can catch Lillard, Chambers, and Ainge. Really? Shouldn't Van Horn be in that mix? He should be. He didn't have a long career. He stepped aside. He got tired of being traded all over yeah. the place. Sean Bradley's probably also in the conversation. Sean Bradley got some shout-outs here in the list. I don't know about that. I'm just saying... It, at the bottom of the list, he not well. The, the older uh, they kept, they people did keep adding to the list as it goes on. So Greg Kite eventually gets a shout out. Fred Roberts, oh, Ronnie Price, everybody. Bogut, yes. I think one Lillard. <laughs> put and Michael then you got to choose. There. Let's go. Let's put Chambers. I think Chambers had more individual success and stats. Ainge played on really good teams, with one exception. Um, he obviously won big in Boston, and you can dismiss in that and like anybody would have won with Larry Bird. Okay, not anybody, but I get your point. Um, it's easier to win. But with see, Larry actually, Bird. that hampers his be, individual accomplishment. Sure, because he was down the the list. Yes, as far as Chambers was on teams that weren't as good, with players that weren't as good, and he's getting more shots and building up more stats. Although in Phoenix, there they, they, they were, had a pretty good, good team, and he yeah. was a premier player. Yes. I think the thing that speaks well for Ainge's career, you got to give him credit for, is most places he went later in his career, he was an important piece of a winning team again. He was a role player. Yeah, but in Portland and in Phoenix. Well, he was always a role player. That's the thing. Chambers was the star. He's right. He's a role player. Ainge was. He's a role player. Ainge was a role player who won a lot. Okay, he's a role player. Except in Sacramento. They didn't win then. I can repeat it again. He was a role player. I 
yeah, I I realized he was this teams were winning, but he was a role player. And then Miller four. Ooh, I, I might put Miller up there a little higher, man. And that's probably biased in my case because I covered him. I was working for the Watchdog Now website at the time and, and saw those great games and witnessed them all, you know. Marcroft told me about a guy that uh, was from Utah who was really good, and that's Mike Newland. And if you look at it, uh, he really liked Mike Newland. He played uh, late 60s at the U and played probably to, I don't know, 10, 11 years in the NBA. That's a good run. And had, uh, let's say I just call it up, uh, three, four seasons in which he averaged at least 17 points in the league, two seasons in which he averaged over 20. So uh, I'd, I'd put him up there. And he, he walked out of the league shooting uh, 46% from, uh, as, a, as a shooting guard. It's a pretty good number. Yeah. 87% from the line. Uh, four assists a game, three assists a game, a steal a game. 15 points for his career. So I think he deserves to be on that list. I would think, without having looked at the numbers for the Ainge, I would think Newland's numbers would compare very, very favorably with what Ainge accomplished. We have the technology to call that up. I don't want to do it. He did. Ainge averaged 11.5 points for his so career. Why Played would a few I, more years. Why would I have Ainge ahead of Newland? Because he won. And... I have no idea how good these uh, teams, the the 20 point seasons, he was with the Nets in 1980 and 81. I don't know how good the Nets were then. Okay. Yeah. So we're just. Well, you're going to award, you're going to award staff. I mean, we've got to find out how much they win before we really know this. What is freaking Lillard won? Why would I put <laughs> Lillard up number one? If is I'm going to go on winning, then I would go Ainge all the way. You're not. Would you have some consistency to your argument? So at least I have to mildly work to win? So he has won. He hasn't won at all, but he's won playoff series. He's been to a conference final as the best player on the team. Now that's got to count for something. Sure. But you're elevating Ainge, who was a role player. You're elevating him as if it counts for everything. Not just something. Everything. Didn't elevate him to number one, so I guess they didn't count it for everything. In terms of my argument, because I'm not arguing with you with Lillard. I'm using the twisted, illogical <laughs> points that you make. <laughs> if winning matters, then I got to go Ainge. What is it? Is it stats that matter? Because now all of a sudden, Newland's stats, well, he played for the Nets. Who the hell were the Nets in, in, in 78 or 80 or when They played for the Nets. I mean, were they, were they, were they, were the Nets were the G League then, weren't they? I don't know that they were that bad. They did have a stretch where they got awful, but I don't know that they were there then. So we're dismissing him. And mostly he played for the Rockets in the 70s. That's where he had, Newland had a long run with the Rockets in the 70s. And weren't they good? Rudy T? I 
I don't know the Rockets in the 70s. They I know me. the Rockets in the 70s. You I got lived me. and died by the Rockets in the 70s. All right. Are you kidding me? Uh, they had a conference final in there. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Well, that settles it. New one. Number two, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Rockets were in the East back in the day. How about that? Were they the Buffalo Braves? No, they were Houston Rockets. They're just in the East. There weren't enough Western teams yet, I guess. Flipped them from one conference to the other. Uh, those Nets teams were bad. He scored a lot of points on bad teams. We'll give him more points for uh, being in Houston and getting some, getting some wins there. Well, then, geez, we shouldn't really consider Lillard anything. What did he do last night? The team lost. They were a 24-win team one year there, 34 the other year. Right. And they would have been a 10-win team without Newland. Thank you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Studio Analyst, coming up at 8.30. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Rough Tough Products. Rough Tough sets the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best-fitting seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle and do business with a Utah company that's been around since 1976. Check them out today at roughtough.com. That's roughtough.com. Cool name. I like it. Rough Tough. You were going, you were going crazy on the questions today. You you hit Facebook hard yesterday. You had the Damian Things Lillard. Happen, you got to go. Yeah, you had the Damian Lillard question up there. Of course, you got expectations for Game Five tonight. Expectation is the Jazz win and close out the series and wrap this thing up and move on to the second round. Get a little downtime. And then you've also got this one up. How about Jazz owner Ryan Smith providing courtside seats, lodging, and transportation to Ja Morant's family for Game Five? Scott says that's the right thing to do. They should have had to deal with that crap. Too bad his mom doesn't feel like she can take him up on it. Maybe he can buy her seats in Memphis to make up for it. Please be better, people. We're better than this. Those three people who did that, they need to be better. His dad actually came out and said that. Most people were fine. There were just a few who were way across the line. That's why I don't get all this embarrassment and all this uh, feeling like, oh, that's Utah. No, it's not. It's a small, small, small number. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't feel bad for it. And if I'm ownership or management, I would feel bad too. But I don't think they need to because it's a sm- they don't have any connection to it. They don't condone it under any stretch of the imagination. And I get why they would want to apologize for it. But I don't think they need to because I don't think they're doing it. I think the overwhelming majority of people are fine. One is too many. Whether you throw a bottle or you make a racist comment, all of that stuff is completely 1,000% unacceptable. And I think by doing this, it becomes public. And Mr. Morant uh, goes out there and makes it public. And I think it's a very good move because it just it sends a message, this is not who we're about. But I think if you step back, most people would look at it and... If they're if they stereotype, you're not supposed to stereotype. So it's not stereotyping one way. Everybody gets all upset. But stereotyping anyway, it shouldn't be just one way. If you want to have real discussion, you just don't have one sided real discussion. You have to have real discussion on all things. And so if there's one group who's stereotyping another group. That's just as bad as that group stereotyping versus vice versa. So going back and forth on this. You shouldn't say, well, that's that. them people over there, they're doing that. No, they're not. 
these idiots over there, they did that, and they, they're they held accountable for it. And But I think image-wise, by having Ryan Smith do this, it sends a message. I don't think the message needed to be sent, but it does send the message that we're not going to tolerate this stuff. Of course we're not going to tolerate this stuff. I already know that, but go ahead and send a message nationally, internationally, that says this is not what we're about, and we're going to make amends for it. And... Please consider everybody, not just the actions of two or three absolute fools who should never be allowed back in the arena to watch a game. Stereotyping isn't going to stop in any direction, whichever way irritates you or whichever way you're willing to overlook or whichever way you just ignore. It's going to continue. There's 330 million people in the country, and we're not going to get to know everybody's individual stories. So you're going to collect a few facts about people. And whatever those are, there's, we could probably list 100 of them right now. And you're going to kind of lump people together because it's exhausting to hear 330 million people's individual stories. So stereotyping is going to keep happening. So I'm with you on the image thing. And you don't have to do it. You know, for some people, you don't have to do it. But for some people, you probably do have to do it. And you do have to set yourself apart from the actions and the words that have gotten these headlines. Say, hey. It's not me. That's not us. Have. To you, right. But to somebody living in random fill-in-the-blank state whose life experiences are, I don't know, because I don't know 100, 330 million people's individual stories, they may need to hear that. Mm. And, and yeah, some people will hear, hear it. Are they going to change it? That, was, that, that was the next thing. Preconceived ideas. That was, all this preaching stuff. Yeah. And all, every, as soon as it comes out, all the writers got to take to the computer and start with the lectures. Here we go again. <laughs> Another lecture by somebody. All you're doing is preaching to the choir. It's a large choir because I I think like Charles Barkley said weeks ago, most people are good. He did say that. I saw him say that. Yeah. And he thinks people pit each other against each other right. for their own reasons. Politics, money, power, whatever. But what do I know? I don't know, and, and I'm totally with you. I don't know how many people's mind it will change, but if it changes somebody's mind, right. then, then I think Ryan thinks it's worth it. It is worth it. Yeah. If it changes nobody's mind, it's still worth it. But it definitely isn't going to change everybody's mind. Some people are going to hold on to whatever they're going to hold on to. And I think as far as the franchise, players to come, they're going to look at this place, they're going to see it, they're going to see everything that it has to offer, which is great, and they're going to make a decision. And the decision is not going to be, well, I don't want to play in Utah, so I'm not going to go there. No, that is old, old, old news. That stereotype is gone, and it's never coming back. Players are sophisticated enough, they're smart enough, their people are smart enough to know this franchise here can give me everything that I want. So I don't I don't worry about that perception in the least. Now the bigger thing really is not in the least. No. I'll get no. I'll give you largely, but back to three hundred and thirty million people, there's four hundred and fifty no. NBA players. I, okay, fine. Well, I guess more with two way contracts now, but you get the point. I get the point. And so many players, you know, tell me about the minutes, tell me how much time I'm gonna play. 
tell me uh, yes. how much money I'm going to make. Yes. Uh, probably yes. how much money I'm going to make and then how much time I'm going to get. And, uh, and a whole bunch of stuff. Is yeah, and a whole bunch of stuff. organization, winning stable, organization. blah, 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 blah. Are there personal relationships with people who are already in the organization? That can give you an edge when you're competing for somebody who's got two, three, four options. Right. The, all so that all stuff is things. important. Yes, right. that's, that's my argument. For a lot of people. But I can't rule out the fact there could be 50 players in the NBA are like, I really don't want to go there. No. Because of whatever happened in their life and whoever they know and whatever their no. backstory no. is. No. You don't even think there's a small number of players. You and, you and Dennis have done your work. It is complete. It's you never, changed work is never the, complete. Okay. That's what I'm getting at. There's still a handful of people. But not enough to where it causes any concern. So, yeah, are there three people out of 450? Of course. But it's nothing that you're going to worry about. It's going to have zero impact on the franchise. No. They have got the word out. And players, I believe that when you say that about players, you're calling them ignorant. You're calling them stupid. That they're going to look at something that was said by Derek Harper 30-some years ago and in 10 years, 40 years, and 20 years, 50 years, well, it's going to be getting, so much in the past. We're getting to the point that I don't even know how many players know of course, Derek Harper, of course, right? But I'm just using that later. as the example. Well, and that is the excellent, that is, for a lot of Jazz fans, that's the one example that like they just, they can't shake. That's dead. I think the thing that people probably underestimate that works in the Jazz's favor in all of this is that with technology, everything changed in the last five years, certainly 10, but even the last five years. Mm-hmm. The, the players are more interconnected and more of their own private club. And they always have been to a degree, but more so now. Yeah, I get all that. And are they going to want to so, go to the Lakers, to Los Angeles? Yes, because yes. it's more glamorous. But it's not a knock on here. It's just there can that's, provide me with all this other stuff. Right. But that's not here. That will always be here. And that you, will hurt Denver, and that and, will hurt and Portland, and, so and Sacramento, forth and, so on. and right on yes. that line. So there's no difference there. It's not going to be New York, Chicago, Miami Beach, uh, Los Angeles. It's not going to be that stuff, right? All right, but that's not a knock here. That's well, that's more attractive to me. But that doesn't mean that this isn't a great situation. I believe today's player is sophisticated enough, and Ryan Smith is going. If anything needs to be broken down, which I'm not sure that there do, there is that that you can literally break down. You can't make this place Los Angeles. It's like Majerus said after the Final Four. We're not any closer to L.A. or California. We're still. 600 miles away, we still have to overcome that. And he was right about that. So that's always going to be there. So anything that Ryan Smith and his people need to break down that that is breakdownable, (laughs) they will. They are. They're doing it as we speak. And this didn't come to my attention when it happened. It came to attention a while later. But they apparently at some point showed the current players some level of research they did as far as, and, and I don't know what the questions were exactly, uh, but it was out, off all the Black Lives Matter, social change, people's attitudes towards, and I don't know if it was 10 questions or if it was 50, but I heard the players were surprised to see this survey of what the fan base thought because the players hear the loudest, angriest voice coming out of the stands. You know, if you were playing and you were sitting on the baseline, and you heard 50 people yelling, and 49 of them were yelling about the game, you know, hey, ref, that was a terrible call, good shot, hey, you're going to choke this free throw. But one person yelled something that was way across the line. That's what you'd hear. That's what we would all hear. 
you know. And so they got their preconceived notions. Whatever this research was, the players showed them that the players were surprised by it. So I think you always have to be doing it, but it doesn't mean that you're starting from square one every time you do it. But there's some level of information, education, I don't know what the right word is, knowledge that you got to pass along. People may not be aware completely. I mean, you and I know a lot about each other because we've sat through a lot of commercial breaks and golfed and whatever, you know, but there's still stuff about each other. Party hard. <laughs> like rock stars. <laughs> so all that stuff. Yeah, I, I think they get to the individual. And that's and I've been saying this for years. You want to break down a stereotype? Get to know somebody. And you you have a conceived ideas about black people, get to know black people. Get to know one guy. One guy. That's all you got to do. One guy. And 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 you're probably gonna like the guy. You're gonna have stuff in common if he's if he's your friend or she's your friend. And that's all you gotta do. And you say, well, say, well they're not all like this or that. And what about what about my buddy over here? And do that. And that's gonna be the same thing here with the players. Get the players in on a individual basis and that player I fully fully believe is going to look at this organization and going to be blown away by all the tremendous positivity that is available to them if they should choose to come here doesn't mean they're going to get everybody we know they're not but you I I have I have no doubt in my mind you're not going to you you're going to get people that want to come and to the point where you're going to be competitive for years to come, as long as you continue to do the right things and make the right draft picks, blah, 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 blah. And you got something here you wanted to share, Yak, about Boston? Yeah, so you mentioned earlier that Danny Ainge was considering his future. Yes. Uh, both Woj and Shamshirani are now saying that Brad Stevens is moving into their front office full-time as their president of basketball operations. He will lead a new search for a new head coach, and Danny Ainge will be stepping down from his job as GM. Okay, well, that's Passing the torch. That is big news right there. What next for Danny Ainge? Golf. Golf? Grandkids. Grandkids. He's got a slew of them, right? He does. That's a good got, combination uh, right one, there. The one son's a politician down here. What is he? Uh, Tanner actually just resigned his position. Oh, enough. he did? Yeah. Okay. Well, he lives here, and I think he his does. daughter lives here. He's got a couple of kids here, I believe. Yeah. What does this mean for your guy, Austin? Austin? Yeah. That's a good question, too. Uh, well, obviously, he's, he's attached to his father. But having been around Austin many times, I think he's got a brilliant basketball mind. So my guess is he may have to move someplace, but he'll have employment. The, the kid, he's not a kid anymore, but he really knows his stuff. I always I enjoyed immensely chatting with him. and plus, Well, he, not just the basketball stuff, just the personality. Oh, yeah. He he's, liked he's got it. There was a, the one that one year, Keeney Young got player of the year in the conference, and we're, we're down in Vegas. And they had two African-Americans on their team. And the Tribune, bless their hearts, the people working the desk that night, they had a big outline cut in around the figure of the player of the year with my story. Well, it was the other black guy. It wasn't Keeney Young. And so we're down at the Thomas and Mac. I, it's unbeknownst to me because I don't see the paper. Sure. I'm you're down in, there. You're in Vegas, right. Yeah. Austin, they come out after open media session. We only got two of them, and you couldn't get – you had a 50% chance to get it right, and you got it wrong. Like, what are you talking about? And he told me, of course, I was mortified. <laughs> and he was ragging me on that. He's a funny dude, but I always enjoyed his basketball mind, so I would think he would be fine. He may have to go into another organization. 
All right, DJ and PK, there you go. Danny Ainge stepping down as president of basketball operations. Brad Stevens from the bench to the front office, and now the Celtics need a new coach. Fifth best best basketball player to come out of the state of Utah to play college ball, Danny Ainge. <laughs> he's not the fifth. You think he's fifth? I go. Damian Lillard. Lillard. Chambers. Chambers Miller. Newland. Van Horn, Ainge. Okay, so you, after all that over Newland, you didn't even put Newland in your top five. <laughs> You're a beauty. But I put him six. That's a great position to be in. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Studio Analyst, coming up next. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I have to believe that it will only take once losing in a 3-1 setting to have it never happen again. They have to come into this game five, bringing it back to Vivid Arena, and in their mind they're thinking, not going to let this happen. Not a chance. We will fight until we have no fight left in us because we want to end it now. You don't let this go to six. You don't let this go back to Memphis for a sixth game. This has been such a point of emphasis for this team for so long, ever since Game 7 against Denver, that this will not happen again. I think this team is insanely focused going into that game. I would be shocked if on Thursday we hop on the air and we're talking about not a lot of life there, not a lot of energy. I don't know what was going on with that team, but now they've got to go back to Memphis. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. When you get the carpets clean and get the tile cleaned, it's never just clean, it's Zero Res clean. Don't have it any other way. Just $33 per room. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Time to welcome in Tim Lacombe. Duran, Duran, huh? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst and part-time rock star. Tim, good morning. What's up, guys? Are the How Jazz going to be hungry like the Wolves? Well, I hope they're more hungry than the Wolves. Wolves are out. so Not them Wolves. Those Wolves. Just those Wolves, yeah. Like a pack of Wolves. Um, no, I think since Game 1, obviously getting everybody back, uh, it, it's been a, much like we all talked about, it, it's been a, a very spirited series. I think Memphis has done an awesome job at basically giving the Jazz everything that they are capable of giving them, and the Jazz have responded and answered. Um, those two games in Memphis were very similar, and I love the resolve. You know, I think it's hard to turn momentum. You know, Memphis did that to the Jazz, and the Jazz held on both times. And So a lot of really positive things to talk about. I think still a couple of guys who, you know, you're waiting for Joe to have one of Joe's nights and that very well could be tonight, you know, the front of the home crowd, but Jordan Clarkson had one. Um, the depth of this team is awesome. And it's, it's one of the reasons that they're able to, um, you know, really put pressure on the other team for 48 minutes. 
I know you take them one game at a time, Tim. That's how you're wired. But uh, we want to take them two or three at a time here. So we're trying to figure out who the Jazz are going to play in the next round after they win this series. And as you watch the uh, Clipper series unfold with the Mavericks, what are you thinking about these last three games? Well, that's a weird series. Obviously, the Mavericks look like um, like they may not lose in the first two games. They played so well. And then the Clippers just kind of do what the Clippers do. They grinded them out and kind of got it going themselves. I think the Clippers ultimately win that series. Um, I just think the way that it's gone now and, you know, I think the way that Dallas could have possibly done it is, you know, sneak one of those games now and losing them both now just kind of makes it so it's really up in the air. I think I think Clippers win it. Uh, I think they win it on by virtue of just the experience of Kawhi more than anything. And uh, I think that they'll be uh, – they, they may even win it. And they may not lose another game. You know, I think they may, they may gentlemen sweep them from here. It's hard to find fault when the Jazz have won the last three. The one thing that I would say, and I want to see if you have a concern about it, and it's not a huge concern for me, is that they would get up a little bit and seem to be a little comfortable margin, you know, 10, 12 over Memphis, and then Memphis would come back and it would be 2-4, to four, and then the Jazz would extend it a little bit. So maybe in the situation of going forward, if you get up 10-12, try to get up 18-20, how much of a concern is that for you, or is it maybe that, hey, rather than be concerned about the Jazz, give the credit to Memphis? I would be more in the camp of give the credit to Memphis. I think sometimes, you know, particularly fans – um, they almost liken it to getting on the freeway and setting cruise control at 80, you know. Well, why'd you take it off 80? We were going just fine at 80. Well, unfortunately, there's variables, and the variables are the other team, you know, what they're doing. When you're playing on the road, the momentum exists. It's real. Um, and so one costly mistake, if you're not careful, can turn into several and momentum totally shifts. What I was impressed with, um, and I have been all year long, is when it's winning time, the Jazz really find a way. And even games, they've come up short. Think about the number of games this year. Um, You know, they haven't lost very many, but a handful of those games, they were getting beat pretty good. And, I mean, I can remember three, four, five games that they were getting beat and really brought it down to have really a last possession to be able to to extend the game. And, I, and I've made comments about that during the year, that that is a, a real positive sign. Um, I think these two games in Memphis where, you know, really this Memphis team was, was prepared. I thought they played really well. I think they played as well as they're capable of playing, actually. Um, you know, they're getting scoring from, from all sorts of different guys. They've had Grayson Allen who's stepped up and been big for them. You know, Dylan Brooks has kind of turned the corner, um, you know, both as a player and an agitator. But, you know, I, I love that stuff because I think it, it's the it's kind of the story around a series that you remember forever. Um, but I, I'm more encouraged by the Jazz fighting them off and holding on to winning than I am them losing a lead. Um because losing a lead is not just necessarily not taking it serious. It's, you know, there are variables involved there. 
and and that's just really a hard one to to understand to the layperson. Um, that's why I think the cruise control is a great one. It's not like getting on the freeway and setting it and and just staying there. It's you know you, you've got to slow down for this and that, and you got to swerve for this and that. Um, it, it, the most important thing is you get to your destination. I think that's what the Jazz have done. So I largely agree with you, and I see that, and and I've thought that during games when I've seen people on Twitter losing their mind. It's uh, hey, you can't prevent every seven-two run that you know the Grizzlies are going to drop on you, and the, and the key thing is you got to be able to answer it. I do think that when we get down to the bitter end here, and the Lakers seem to be getting separated from the herd by their injuries, so. It's, We'll drop them from the group, but whether it's the Jazz or the Clippers or the Suns or if it's the Nets over in the East and maybe maybe Milwaukee or Philly, who, when the best teams get together, is going to be absolutely ruthless? You know, who is going to be what PK just says? Like, we got you a little off your game at eight. We're taking it to fifteen right now. And who is going to be absolutely ruthless and miss no opportunities? And I think when you were coaching, I think coaches really value the players who have that, who bring it out, because as a coach, you have so much stress. There's so many things you can't control. And so to just see one guy out there who you're like, this guy never, ever takes a possession off and lets anything slip. This guy always drops the hammer. When you have that player and you have that team, that's what's going to separate the very good teams from the team that has a championship, isn't it? Yeah, there's, that's a, that's an element of it, um, you know. And again, I don't think it's something that you can look out and see from someone always, because again, the variables of fatigue, injury, uh, you know, somebody maybe just not feeling great, um, you know, confidence issues. So there's so many things, even within the context of uh, the minutes that are going out on the floor, that you're each individual person's going through their own thing and they're fighting their own battle. So again, I think collectively, if you can get a group that really, really knows the score, always is aware aware of the score um, and fights like hell to win the game. And I think that's what we've seen from this jazz team all year long. Now, as many times as maybe they've given up a lead, um, which I think if you watch NBA games, it's pretty crazy to me. I've stopped watching early in NBA games um, because, you know, if you, you catch it about mid-third quarter, you're going to see all you need to see. Um, it, it's it's kind of funny because it's more just jostling in the beginning, unless, like last night, where Phoenix just jumps out and, and the Lakers are done in the first quarter, you know, because the score's gotten so Out of hand, I guess. I believe we just lost him. Hey, Yak. Yakamami. <laughs> Yak. Well, I think I think Yak may have done that, but I don't think he's hearing us right now. Oh, he's working on it. All right. Well, he pressed a button. I think so. Remember that one time I did that on Troy Calhoun? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I thought I wanted to see how long he'd been on the uh, air, uh-huh. and so I hit the it's, I hit the wrong thing, and it just. Clicked right in mid, and we lost the Air Force coach. Hundred percent on me. Ooh, I felt bad. Did you cut me off? Uh, Yak, Yak may have. That doesn't matter. No, You're back whatever. now. You're back. Make it happen. No, it's fine. Where were you? It's gonna get the mafia. Who's in the back seat? <laughs> I just want to know who's sitting behind me. Okay. Um, I don't even know where I was, but I, I think main thing is just that DNA. You look for championship DNA. There's signs along the way. 
and I've pointed them out all year long, um, but I feel like the Jazz are trending competitively in the right direction. I love the way they've kind of taken control of this series. Did you hear the news about Danny Ainge, your guy? You know what I did? I I, I woke up to it this morning. Um, your reaction? And I'm not 100% surprised. I, I kind of, I mean, crazy thing is I know a lot of the parties involved know Danny well, but have not talked in to Danny about his job or work or any of that stuff. It's typically very surface. So um, not surprised per se. I think, you know, I, I think I'm living proof. You can be in a, a place a long, long time and do good things and feel like, you know, you, you need a new challenge. And I think that that's probably where, you know, at the end of the day, that's probably where Celtics and Danny are. So you think he's done retired or you think he's going to move to something else in basketball? I really don't know. Um, I mean, I always wondered if at some point he'd find his way back here, particularly when Ryan bought the team. Um, Are they close? Good friends, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, it's a circle of friends down here. We've we've been, uh, you know, Ryan's been around. Um, so it'll be interesting. I don't know. I, I think that I'm happy for Danny because I think it's, uh, you know, he's he's walking – from something he can be really proud of. I think they've done a great job there. Um, but as to what his future plans are, man, I have no idea. I think everything's conjecture at this point. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, just tweeted out as Danny Ainge moves on from Boston, a possible landing spot in some capacity, the Utah Jazz. As rumors of Ainge's exit rippled through the NBA in recent months, a role with the Jazz has been seen as a potential next step. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely been stuff that's bubbled, you know, throughout the league. And um, But again, it's, you know, it's probably in fairness, it's probably there's a little buffer here and we'll see what happens. But, I mean, certainly would be an interesting thing. Um, I, the one thing I will say is there's a, there's a great relationship there. And, and that's one thing that I do know. You don't think he wants to do morning radio, do you? Um, I heard that that was one of his bucket list items. Oh, crap. <laughs> it was the... There's a 0% chance this is true. <laughs> it was the Lacange. I mean, everybody knows I'm first to LeCange go. Lacange in the morning. <laughs> I see what you did there. That was clever. TD. Oh, so you, early and, touchdown. you and him replace us? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Lacombe's been after my gig for months now. Just came on just, as a guest and fired us both. I'll put a. I'll, I'll just you know I'll cover your. That, I'll dip that in gold. That mic that you've been using. Yeah. Never to be used again. You know what it's dipped in right now? <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> it's fondue in the morning with PK. Jeez. Oh, that'll do, fondue boy. That kind of ended the segment. It really did. I had a couple other questions about the playoffs. I mean, there's not a really whole lot you point. can do with that. No. Within the context of the rules. <laughs> As laid out by the FCC. <laughs> You know that was Majerus's. He used that all the time. What? Just context. You know, you know, there's a, there's a great way you can 
break a guy's ankle legally within the context of the rule. (laughs) You're right. Now that you say that, I can hear that. I hadn't thought of that in a long time. (laughs) I miss him. I'm sure you do. Those are phenomenal times. (laughs) (laughs) You're hiding in the hyper so he doesn't see you. (laughs) (laughs) I used to do that on the road when you guys would have shoot around there or practice the night before. And he would think it'd be closed. I'd find a door that was open, and I'd, wa- I'd peer in from up top. Oh, I know. <laughs> I was in charge of the doors, bro. <laughs> I know. I just let you be. I can remember I was out at TCU, and I'm sitting up there. I'm standing, looking around the corner, and then he tells us, uh, "No, the, the one guy. No, he he's not. He didn't practice." And I saw the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> You just didn't know I saw it. <laughs> I mean, what am I going to do? Spend another two hours in a hotel room by myself climbing the walls? <laughs> so I would go to the arena, and invariably you could find your way in and just check out what was going on. Or I could just call somebody on the team, and they would tell me, <laughs> you're not going to believe what happened at practice today. We charted every Majin miss and told them, so you can't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> It was called team building. <laughs> and the team guys, player guys, as soon as they get home, they'd call me. Oh, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> DJ, who do you think is going to win the Clippers series? Clippers? Yeah. I don't think Doncic is healthy. So that whole story about the tingling in his arms and the sharp pain, that's, that's not good. So it's looking Clippers and Suns on the other one, other side. No, it'll be Clippers and Jazz, and then it'll no, be saying, Suns yeah, and Suns, Suns and Nuggets. Looks like Suns Nuggets, and Nuggets are up three-two now. Hold off on that one, though. PK Hold really on. does not want to write Portland off. No, I wouldn't either. You see, Dame hold. I mean, talk about championship aspirations. Yeah, a couple of those shots he hit last night were otherworldly. Yes. Did Nur- Did Nurkic want to foul out? Why did he commit the last foul? Was he tired of playing? It was so clearly a situation he was going to foul. Why bother to contest that shot? Agreed. Uh, but I think sometimes within, oh, all right, context of the game. There it is. You know, uh, again, we're, we're, you're viewing it with all our faculties. He's exhausted. Yeah. He's yeah. maybe confused. You know, when you run, you get tired. So many things going on. And uh, that's why, you know, being locked in, uh, Communication amongst players, coaches, all that stuff so vital. All right, Tim, we're going to leave it there with the uh, golden uh, chocolate-covered cheese yeah, microphone. We never did quite regain We didn't really get it back together again. Just, we tried, it but it failed. Bouncing around. Yeah. All right, thanks, Tim. We'll talk to you again next week. Bring the fondue sticks. I shall. Bye, right. guys. Tim McComb, Jazz Studio Analyst. Shane Young, NBA Analyst and Columnist for Forbes Sports. Coming up, stay with us. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The great Craig Bowler Jack joins us every Tuesday. You think this one ends in five, Bowler? I think the Jazz better get it done in five. I hate to see him go back to Memphis and then, by chance, have to decide it at home in game seven. Look, if Donovan holds true to his word, what he said in the bubble, never again. I believe that's the quote. After losing in game seven with a 3-1 lead to Denver. And with the home crowd, I think the emotions are going to be sky high. So get it done in front of your home crowd. Get it done, have a couple of extra days, sit back, and then start the process again. 
again on your second round opponent. Do I have a crystal ball? No. But do I feel it? Yes. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We were brought to you in part by Premier Wave. You've heard about acoustic wave therapy for ED and how it's an effective treatment to help nearly all men. There's now a physician-owned clinic here in Salt Lake. Learn how unique Premier Wave is by visiting premierwave.com for more information and to learn about Premier Wave's special offer. All right, the intriguing headline of the morning, Danny Ainge stepping down in Boston. The Celtics... Out of the playoffs, that happened pretty quick. How long do you think that's been uh, Ainge making his mind a while ago and just getting to the end of the season? Because the end of the season oh, yeah, got yeah, yeah, here yeah, and then, yeah. boom. I don't think he woke up yesterday. All right, man, we got playoff game. We're going to build this <laughs> team. And then went to bed. I'm out. No, I think they waited until the season was done. And obviously, they weren't a very good team this year. They were probably the most disappointing team in the league. Uh, when you think about it, in the regular season, what the expectations and where they had been and then... They didn't come anywhere near that. No. and, and No, they, they should have been, regardless of how it finished, they should have been in the group with the Sixers, Nets, and Bucks. I would think, but that, that was expectation. Didn't yeah. plan, pan out that way. They ended and, up right exactly at 500. Yeah, way below what yeah. they should have been, and Jalen Brown gets hurt, and so the all playoff was just a formality. They were a beaten team before game one even yeah. started. But to finish five games behind the Knicks and the Hawks, major disappointment. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, who was it? Who? Who? Somebody went after uh, Smith in the colleges, didn't they? Who, who was it? Was it Carolina? Indiana. Indiana, Indiana, right? Indiana, there you go. Indiana, I knew it was a, is a big name, and he said no, right? Very quickly and definitively, right? Kind of makes you think that a he liked the Celtics gig, and b he might have known this was up. And so I have no idea how he'll do as a as a GM type person. Well, you, you never really know. I mean, the same thing with coaching. I've been saying that for coaching for years. You got to give the whoever it is the person who gets the job. Got to give that person the opportunity to succeed or fail, and you're not really sure how it's going to work. Um, guys you thought would be slam dunks at the coaching level, no. And guys you didn't think were going to be good, yeah, end up being great. So who knows how he'll be, and and uh, I'm sure they'll get somebody who has a coaching experience with Boston. But as far as Ainge goes, you know, what does he do next? I, I was around him a little bit, not a lot, but when his son – Austin was playing. He always seemed to find his way into town. He was there a lot. And, yeah. uh, whether he still finds his way into town. Home or, or away, uh, especially away games, there'd be fewer people. So we'd sit at a media table and chat up a little bit, talk to him on the phone a couple of times. Obviously, he's extremely competitive. Uh, one of the greatest athletes ever, literally, to be born. I mean, the, the guy was all that and just about everything he ever did athletically. If you're going to play two professional sports at the highest level baseball and basketball it speaks for itself uh so 62 though unless you've got health issues seems a little bit young to just set it aside but at the same time you know mark eaton's gone at 64 so whatever he chooses is going to be the right thing for him if he wants to spend time with family he's got the finances to do it 
great. But also, if he wants to maybe take a season off or get back into it some other place, and he obviously has the connection here. And I did not know that, uh, you know, of Tim McComb telling us he has a strong, Ainge has a strong relationship with Ryan Smith. What does that mean? I don't know what Ryan Smith is interested in doing. Things are going well here, obviously. So uh, do you create a position? or you, know, you never know. What you think is the way it is in pro sports in a year or two can be dramatically different. It's awesome to yeah. go back in like three-year <laughs> increments and look at how different everything is. Right. And, you know, if you're not in – most of you, I mean, it's jazz right now, and this is, you know, jazz town and NBA town. But you can do it the NFL. It's the same thing. You go back three years, it's remarkably different. You go back six years, it's completely different. Right. Everything changes so quickly. And if it doesn't change, well, that means you're probably pretty good. And things are going well here now. The guys in charge, obviously, have done an excellent job. They have a very good chance to have a deep playoff run, if not all the way, to the deepest level you can go. Doesn't mean they're going to win it, but they can. it's not inconceivable especially with Anthony Davis, street clothes Davis, being unable to play. They look like hot garbage last night, obviously. So it looks like they could be, if that was your biggest obstacle, I don't know that it was, but they could be out of the way here really soon. I am The Clippers, as I said last week, whoever the Jazz play in the second round is going to have all sorts of momentum and confidence. Of course. Because look what you have to do in the first round to get there. And if it's the Clippers, well, look what we did, man. We righted that ship overnight. We were, man, yeah. people, you want to talk about being written off? <laughs> Clippers O two two home games. Not not just the O two, but the O two and just a hideous first quarter on the road. I mean, they were getting embarrassed, and their owner was furious, and they turned it around. Second, third, and fourth quarter. Totally different deal. Win the game. Win game four. Doncic is hurt. Tries to play through it. Clearly isn't himself. Both teams could come in to the next series on four-game win streaks. That would not be shocking right now. No part of that would be shocking. Well, oh, okay, both teams. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's the Jazz win about. game five, and the Clippers win games five and six. I, I think the Clippers is pretty much a lock. And great... Gonna have to play somebody. I'm excited for that series if it comes to pass. All right, DJ and PK coming up next. Shane Young, NBA analyst and columnist for Forbes Sports. He covers the Clippers closely. We will talk with him and get the latest and see what he knows about Danny Ainge. Next, stay with us. PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Join the big show at the Davis Vision Annual Block Party Friday, June 4th. Food trucks, Utah Jazz gear, 30% off on all sunglasses, and one lucky person will win a free LASIK procedure. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Shane Young, NBA analyst and columnist for Forbes Sports. He covers the Clippers closely. Shane, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. 
We are better than the Clippers were, but probably not as good as they are, if that makes any sense to you, and I suspect it does. Oh, it definitely does, because I got to tell you, in my eight years covering the NBA, there has not been a moment where, in one game, in one particular game, game three of the Clippers-Mavericks in Dallas, with 17,000 fans screaming and going crazy, um, and the Clippers were down 30-11. to There's not been one time where I have ever shifted so quickly on, hey, this team is about to get swept. My season of covering this team is over. It was it was a fun ride. Uh, see you next year. To now, oh well, they're going to win the series. It has shifted so quickly, and I really don't know how that's possible. So in Game Four, I really thought Paul George is the best player on on the court, which is saying something when you got a Finals MVP and a first team All NBA guy on there. But he really has been playing well. Has he put to bed this playoff failure? Is it something that he has to prove over and over again? You would like to think that it's in the rear view, right? I mean, I, I always like to say that PG has been a fine playoff player. He's been a good playoff player when he considers Indiana days. I mean, obviously he's had maybe three horrible years, three very below average years, um, coupled with the Oklahoma City, as Utah fans should know, <laughs> should know definitely very well. Um, but I think PG has finally figured out, look, the jump shot for me is always going to be there because I'm six nine, six ten, and I can rise up over these guys. But so as long as I'm pushing downhill, attacking the rim, and really, I mean, just being fearless when it comes to drawing contact, because I think a lot of his issues in Oklahoma City, especially when he had those shoulder problems the final year there, he was shying away from contact, not really wanting to get to the line, kind of contorting his body and, and not finishing well. But now, I mean, it might have something to do with, with Chris Hatsporzingis and Maxi Kleba and, and the Mavericks having zero rim protection whatsoever. But the dude is shooting 75% at the rim, and he's attacking over and over instead of settling for those mid-range pull-ups. Shane Young joining us, NBA analyst, columnist for Forbes Sports. I am really curious about that game three and what you think changed there because of 30 to 11, it's not so much that Twitter was annihilating the Clippers because, you know, that just kind of happens on Twitter, but there was a <laughs> shot of Balmer during the game and he yeah. looked furious. He looked, I mean, he usually he looks like a fan and he's cheering, he's just going nuts, but in that moment, I saw the CEO that helped build this tiny company into this global Goliath and hard decisions had to be made and hard work had to be done. And he just looked like he was going to get up and just go and start cutting players, firing coaches, and then firing front office personnel. He looked furious. I don't know how many times I've seen an owner look that mad. That's how badly that game was going. So why did it change? Because Twitter's one thing, but the veins popping out of his forehead said something else. Yeah, imagine like if you're in Balmer's shoes because, you know, I would like to say, I think that, I think Balmer might be the most fervent, the most like uh, involved owner in the NBA. I mean, obviously there's there's a lot there's there's a lot of young owners. Uh, obviously, Ryan Smith is someone that is, you could see being that way because he's such a lifelong fan and diehard fan of the team, right? I think Balmer, although he wasn't a fan of the team when he bought it, it's like man, he's put so many resources, so much money and time and effort and commitment to this team. So obviously, like 
he's going to be distraught if something like that happens. I think um, for me, the, the Clippers in game three, their game plan had to simplify guys. Like it, it just had to, it had to devolve down to, okay, they got to stop Luka Doncic and also you have to worry about everyone else. But I think what Ty Lue realized was you're not going to be able to do both. In the NBA, you often hear this term like or this phrase, you, you have to give up something. And I think that's what a lot of fans and, and new age viewers don't really get about the NBA. They see, they see all these high-scoring games, 130, 140, and they, and they think there's no defense being played. But in, in reality, defense is smarter than it's ever been. It's just really, really hard to, to execute now because of the space and the threes. So I think Ty Lu basically said, hey, we have to shut down the Tim Harley Jr., uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. We've got to limit Porzingis as much as we can, even though he's not going to really do damage in the post or anything like that. Um, and, and really live with what Luca does. Let, let, let Luca exhaust himself to the point where he's going to get his 35, 40. That's what he's going to average. Cause he's just one of the probably 10 or 15 most creative and, and intelligent players we've ever seen. And he's only 22, but you, you have to, you cannot let Doncic do that. And then Tim Harley jr. Break free for about six threes. Like he's Clay Thompson, right? You have to choose something to give up. And they, and they chose, they chose their path. It's give up Luca stuff, eliminate everyone else, the best of your ability. And I think the second quarter of game three or the, the end of the first quarter of game three, ever since then guys, they have outscored Dallas by 54 points since that run. I mean, it's been, it's been a, it's been a slaughterhouse to be honest with you since that 30 to 11 lead. So you're a Louisville guy, and you probably saw Donovan Mitchell play in college. What did you think as far as where he would be talent-wise and ability-wise in the NBA? Huh. Man, <laughs> I think I've told this story a couple of times. Uh, please forgive me if I've told it on this, but I had a class with Donovan um, my last year uh, at U L and his, I, I guess it was a couple of months before he entered the draft, and we were, it was a sports marketing class. I think it might just might've been an elective. We both needed, but, uh, he, we got up in front of, and we had to introduce ourselves and, and everything. And obviously everyone in the class knew who he was. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't a mystery, but someone asked him, do you, do you envision yourself being the NBA? And I, I believe the consensus, the consensus of the time was, Maybe we were not sure. We don't know. He's going to try, but it wasn't like, Oh, he's a for sure lottery pick or anything like that, or definitely going to be a top 20 pick. And then all of a sudden, I mean, within like a few months, he just bursts onto the scene and becomes this, this phenom for, for all of Louisville to get behind and rally behind because he's drafted so high and he's really impressed everyone in the workouts. I did not think he would be this. I thought, when he was drafted, I thought maybe a a really really good role player, but falling falling a little bit short of a of a star player, um, and it, it's just it's been completely ridiculous because he's blown out expectations, and you could argue I'm not sure where you would put him in the player hierarchy, but I mean he's definitely like top twenty range, and 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 he's all NBA caliber player. If he if he didn't get hurt this year. I think he would have made All-NBA 13 pretty comfortably. I mean, the dude was having the most efficient year of his career and, and has entered the playoffs after missing, what, a month of action, five weeks of action. 
and is already doing crazy stuff again. So I guess long story short, I didn't see this. And I don't think even his, the most optimistic people saw this. You know who saw it is uh, the Jazz players in September because when he debuted, if you go back and look, he had like games where he was two for 17 shooting, multiple ones, and he just kept yeah. launching it. And they never, like they didn't flinch in games, they didn't flinch in post-game interviews, nothing. It was the weirdest thing to watch veterans accept that from a rookie. And, you know, there were veterans mm-hmm. on that team that had been in the, you know, they'd won a playoff series the year before. And asked Thabo Cephalosha about it midseason. He's like, well, why did you do that? Because Donovan was getting rolling at that point. He's like, we saw it in September in the pickup games. The talent was obvious. We all knew. Nobody yeah. had to be told. It was, it was crazy how quickly it, it all changed. So I guess now the question is, what is the ceiling for him? How much better can he get? Because you yeah. say all NBA third team, that makes you top 15 players in the league. That is rarefied air. But... To win a championship, you usually have to have one of the top three or four players in the league. And it's awesome to be the yeah. 13th best, but it's a long way from 13 to 3 <laughs> in the NBA. I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think uh, what a lot of a lot of people, whenever they, they're kind of projecting um, player improvement, they think it's going to be linear. Sometimes it's not linear. Like Donovan might linger around this level until he's 27 or so, and then he'll just, you know, I think it – it can just be random. He could really have one season where he just is the surefire MVP. I mean, we have no idea. I mean, did we even see Nikola Jokic being the MVP? How many people thought that was going to be a thing? So I think, I think it's going to be fascinating. Um, for me, it's hard, difficult slash impossible for me to see him into maybe that all NBA first team range where you're talking about like Steph Curry, Dame Willard. You have to figure there's a lot of really like dynamic guards in the league. And this is a guards league now, but as long as he's in there, I mean, as long as he is, you know, fighting, I guess with Jamal Murray for the best off the dribble shot maker in that next tier, then, uh, then that it's going to be a good career plane for him. Um, I, I definitely think like he has room to grow. Personally, my favorite trait of Donovan Mitchell is the confidence, just the brash confidence. I mean, he you could tell him that he's not going to do something and he'll go out and, and, and do it. I mean, you could tell him he's not going to jump this high and he'll jump two inches higher than that. I mean, it's, it's something that is definitely a sight to behold because I mean, there, there have been a lot of finishes at the rim just in this playoff series alone. I mean, in that last game in Memphis, I mean, finishes at the rim that you have never seen from like top five NBA players now. You can see the confidence, and you, it's fun to watch. It's watch him develop. The thing that's surprising to me is normally these guys, they only play the one year in college, and he went the two. Uh, what did you know of him at that time that would indicate that he needed a second year? And with that, how important was that second year for him to have that in order for him to progress at the level that he has? I mean, I thought it was important just from the standpoint of getting more offensive reps. I thought he, in college at least, because it's a college is a lesser, it's a lesser quality of game, and it's a uh, a smaller person's game. It's not, you know, the, the bodies aren't as large, they're not as bulky. Defenders in the NBA are, as there are in the NBA, I should say. Um, I think he always had like the defensive mind for a college guard. I, I thought that was always there. The energy, the the motor. Um, 
his quickness, uh, getting around screens and stuff like that has been good, or it was good back in the day. So I thought just the offensive reps, if he didn't have that second year, it, I, I'm sure it would eventually come around after getting into an NBA training camp and, and, and working under assistant coaches and stuff. But um, it, it's hard for me to see like the offensive load that he'd be doing now if he didn't have that second year. Shane Young joining us, NBA analyst, columnist for Forbes Sports. He covers the Clippers uh, closely. I'm curious how you evaluate the top teams in the NBA right now and who you yeah. think the favorite is to win it all. And, and mm-hmm. is that, are they still a long shot? You know, usually I think we can look at a favorite and say they got like a 70% chance of winning it all. Maybe the Warriors with Durant had a 95% chance yeah. of winning it all. How many teams have a shot right now and who's the favorite? I think if you had to put a number on the teams that have a have a chance, you'd go Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly have a chance. If Joel Embiid's right, I mean, if he's not right, you can. If he's not healthy, you can cross them out. So Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee, Utah, Clippers, Suns, I think are the teams that have a chance to win it all. Um, I'm just gonna roll out the Lakers until we see Anthony Davis on the floor again. It, the Lakers have had the weirdest year in all of sports. I mean, it's just been. They have not had one solid stint of LeBron and AD for more than two weeks at a time. It's been kind of wild to see. The favorite for me in both conferences, Brooklyn, I've been banging this drum all year. I think people are kind of overthinking it a little bit if you try to come up with reasons or lift out reasons why they won't win. And the number one reason on that list, the number one bullet point is always their their defensive ability or their lack of defensive commitment. Um, they just kind of don't have the they don't have the size or bodies to even try to be a good defensive team anyway. So the, my problem with that line of thinking is we all know in the half court in the playoffs that's when that's when it that, that's when your money's made. I mean that's when Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving get to work. I cannot see any team West or East that's able to get. I don't know, a, a string of three or four consistent stops against them when the time comes, when it's a tie game, three or four minutes left. So I think Brooklyn should be the favorite, and I think they're going to win the title. The West is really difficult because I think the best two teams in the West are going to be playing in about uh, six days or so. I think the Clippers and, and the Jazz are going to be the best teams left standing in the West, and they're going to be playing in a couple of days in, in next week. And you have to give Utah the edge because of home court, because they have took care of business all year long. Uh, they're healthy, uh, relative. I get, yeah, they are healthy compared to, you know, Serge Ibaka is not even there. That's a big rotation piece that's been out for the Clippers. He's their backup big. Um, so I think the Jazz should be favored, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't turn into a series until the home team loses. So um, we'll see, or until the road team wins, I should say. So we'll see how that series plays out. Um, but yeah, Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn's just going to, to be honest with you, I think they're going to coast to the title. Well, Shane, on that note, we will let you go. The Nets coast to the title (laughs) and jazz fan is slightly deflated. Hey, a finals appearance for Utah. First time since 98. That would be incredible though. It would be. And it'd be a massive step forward. No doubt about that. Hey, Shane, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Shane Young, NBA analyst and columnist for Forbes Sports, covering the Clippers. DJ and PK, when we come back, everything you missed in this show. Game five tonight. What is going to happen? We will get to that. And uh, the best college 
The best NBA career for a local college player. That's coming up too. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The great Craig Bowler Jack joins us every Tuesday. You think this one ends in five, Bowler? I think the Jazz better get it done in five. I hate to see him go back to Memphis and then, by chance, have to decide it at home in game seven. Look, if Donovan holds true to his word, what he said in the bubble, never again. I believe that's the quote. After losing in game seven with a 3-1 lead to Denver. And with the home crowd, I think the emotions are going to be sky high. So get it done in front of your home crowd. Get it done, have a couple of extra days, sit back, and then start the process again on your second round opponent. Do I have a crystal ball? No. But do I feel it? Yes. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Dame goes left, gives up to Mello. Back to Dame with Austin Rivers on. Bounces off of Gordon again from way down. Tail baked it in! There's the NBA record! Damian Lillard with his 12-3 of the game. He's got 55. And we got our ass kicked. I mean, it's just that simple. Um, they did, got to whatever they wanted to get to in this game. And, uh, you know, we got to be better, obviously, if we want to force a game seven. So, obviously, a lot to uh, learn from in this game, a lot to cover. See, uh, you know, what we got to do better going into game six. But, um, I mean, they, they pretty much just kicked their asses. I mean, it's nothing else really to say. Anthony Davis, uh, I told you, the Lakers can't win this this, this this series, forget about the championship. They can't win this series without uh, street clothes. <laughs> I'm not even... You want to explain that? I call him after the street clothes Davis because he's always in street clothes. <laughs> you ain't got to explain it, Chuck. Highlights from the NBA there. Anthony Davis is out, and the Lakers are down by 30 at halftime to the Suns. They get blown out. They're down three games to two, staring at elimination. Also in there, you heard the Damian Lillard show, 55 points, 10 assists. He scored Portland's last 17 points. His teammates closed by going one for 19 as a group. And the Nuggets win in overtime, 147 to 140. So that series now, Nuggets 3-2, to two, which is what it was two years ago. The Nuggets were up 3-2 to two and couldn't seal the deal. And you like Lillard's chances to do it again. I don't like him any more than I dislike him. You feel like it's 50-50 who wins that series? Yes, that's my point. I'm not favoring either team, even though Denver is up 3-2. Seems, seems like Denver should be favored up 3-2. I know. But in each, you tell me in game six, is Denver favored? Do you feel like Denver is a strong favorite to win game six? No, it feels right. 50 50. Then, then we're there going into game seven. And game seven is going to be 50 52. Well, that means that I don't want to get into the math of oh, all of that for again. you, but that means they have a 25% chance of winning. <laughs> I feel each game, it's a toss up. That's my point. And the Nuggets only have to win one of the toss ups. And they very well could do it, yeah. So from that perspective, I see where they would be favored to win the series, but each individual game, I look at it as a toss-up. When you go double overtime, that by definition is there's an absolute not much, toss-up. Yeah, there's not much uh, difference between And they teams. lose double overtime when his teammates make one of 20 shots. Terrible. How many times are you going to do that? C.J. McCollum alone, I trust more than that. Yes. 
And he did have a decent three uh, in, I think it was regulation. Late, late in the fourth quarter, like 13 seconds to yeah, go, right. to set up the next shot yes. by Lillard. If Without he doesn't that, make that you're one. you're not having that, right. Right. If he doesn't make that, then Lillard's shot isn't going to matter. Right. So if you look at it from that perspective, how many times is he going to do that? Is Nurkic going to foul it, although he's had trouble in this, because obviously Jokic yep. is a handful. This guy can do it all. He's. I don't know that I ever would see someone who can make more shots in an unorthodox manner than Nowitzki, and then overnight, practically, Nowitzki leaves and Jokic comes. Jokic tried a completely ridiculous shot. It was shot clock, though. It was shot clock. <laughs> Step back, turn around, fade away in the corner. Like, dude, if that goes in, yeah. I'm out of I here. think it was more he had to shoot. He it. had to do something. With 20 seconds left, I don't think he's taking that shot. Or Coach Mikey might have got mad. Overlooked on all of this is that uh, the quintessential role player, Monty Morris, went off. Doubled his career high. His career high was 14. He went for 28. Well, then that's a good sign for Portland. Is he not going to repeat that? <laughs> you wouldn't think, right? Uh, and I don't know that Porter could repeat it. He was 10 of 13 shooting uh, the ball. Maybe not to that level, but he's an emerging player. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Jokic threw him a spectacular pass right over the top of the defense, dropped it right into the uh, the shooting pocket, and then Porter drained the three. That was big time. Big time play. Uh, the Jazz tonight, widely expected to win in five. This is it. Wrap it up. Threw that question up, question of the day up on Facebook, and didn't see much negativity there. Jazz fans expecting victory. Oh, I'm out for the week if they don't win tonight. You're out for the week? Yeah. We'll need you Friday morning, set up game six. You can't be out for the week. Well, that's how confident I am, though. Might need you Friday morning to set up game one on Sunday. Series could start Sunday, although if the Clippers-Mavericks series goes seven, then they'd be playing game seven on Sunday, and that'd push the Jazz back probably until Tuesday. I'm expecting it to be 1.30 Sunday. Yeah. Because if LeBron's out... The one thirty time slot opens up. Yeah. <laughs> the Lakers' time is available. And Steph Curry isn't there to take it. No, he's not. So what's the most attractive? The most attractive, then, is Clippers-Jazz, is it not? To my mind, it is. I don't know what the Eastern game is that they'd even be competing with at that point. Um, as far as, you know, who else would be, would be playing there and what the other options well, would be. Well, it's the Nets. They're only going to put the Nets in there. I'm just saying I don't know that the Nets play that day. I understand that. But the only consideration looks would like be it would be it looks like it would be the uh, Wizards Sixers winner versus the Hawks Knicks winner or or a game seven. See, I can see a game seven getting a time slot over a game one. True. If if the Knicks could force a game seven, they would go in there. I don't know that they can. I would think that they can't. I think Atlanta's the better team, and we'll wrap it up in either five or six. I Atlanta's so. Atlanta's up three to one playing tonight. But either way, it won't be an 8.30 game Sunday night. So you got that going for you. Although I was going to ask you now, with they're going to a West Coast team, how many 8.30 games are we going to get? Because before, it was a central time zone team with Memphis. See what I'm saying? Ooh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I can see uh, a game in L.A. hitting that 8.30 window. This year, there have been a few 8 o'clock windows, so that's... Better. Just a half an hour. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Since yeah. we have to get up in the morning. 
but I was thinking that we'd probably have to go later. Could which happen. W- which we've avoided so far. That's the best thing about playing Memphis is it was central time zone. You don't want to be starting stuff in Memphis at 9.30. So, yeah. Come on, Dallas, central time zone team. Right. Beat that Pacific time zone team. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. We stopped rooting for teams. Well, I thought about it. Drop, drop the nicknames. It's all about when the time zone. When I saw zone. that, that that's you're, who they you're would right. play. You're right. They don't want to start a game at 9.30 central time. Right. They, they don't want to do that. Yeah. That, shades of shades of Big Monday back in the day. That makes a huge difference for us. We'll take it. Yeah, for sure. But first things first, Jazz have to win game five. And I would think having been in the 3-1 situation before and that was different, now you've got the other team has to travel and you're at home with your crowd and the crowds are getting bigger and the team went through it last year and this Jazz team is better than that Jazz team and I think that Nugget team is better than this Grizzly team. So for a lot of reasons, I, just, I know some people are obsessing about that, but I just for a lot of reasons, I don't think that's happening. I think the Jazz close it out right here. I'm not obsessing at all. I'm sure you're not. And that has nothing to do with my indifference to... <laughs> Even if you could overcome your indifference to everything in general. <laughs> it's more looking at the situation rather than, okay, right. I'm not a guy who gets caught up in winning and losing. But aside from that, right? even if I did, I'd still... Well, you agree no with everything I, I just said, right? Yes. Memphis has got to travel. The Jazz have their fans. The Jazz are better. And this well, Grizzly team isn't as good as that the, Nugget team. That, I, the number one thing. This Jazz team is better travel, than the travel, blah, blah, blah. This Jazz team is better than that Jazz team. It's way better. Yep. And the number two thing is this Grizzly team isn't as good as that Nuggets team. Uh, fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, that's the most important thing. I've been saying it for over a week, even when they were down 0-1. This team is better. You just look at the roster. It's better. I don't think either either one of us has ever shrugged off a loss as easily as we shrugged off that game one loss. Especially without Mitchell. Right. Yeah. And Gobert fouling out and I fully expected missing them to a gazillion be th- I didn't threes. think they'd sweep. I gave Memphis enough respect. that After the game one, then I thought Memphis would go six. At no point did I think the Jazz were going to go into Memphis and, and win both those games. At no point? I really well Zero at no point. point. Come okay. on, I did after I, before they went to Memphis. At no point did I think that. For a faithful man, you lack faith. A- after I saw them win Game Three, brother, then I did think they were going to win Game Four. After I watched the way they won Game oh, Three. Oh, so you're one of these guys who has faith as long as you see it. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely weaker on the lower end. Yeah, bad seats, weighing back. Yeah, absolutely. See, I don't need to see something to believe it. That's why you got the good seats in your front? Oh, I don't need no seats. I'm standing in the back. I'm standing in the corners. All right, other things we have discussed today. In addition to the uh, NBA playoffs, there's the NBA news. Danny Ainge stepping down in Boston. The Celtic baton will be passed to Brad Stevens, who will move into the front office. And he will hire a new coach. And what will happen with Danny Ainge? And the National NBA people are already alive with the, he's going to find a role with the Jazz. Well, I just looked at the Boston Globe, and it says he's going to stay on for a bit to help the transition with Stevens. Mm-hmm. Which probably means if Ainge wants back in somewhere till August or July. Which isn't that far away, considering we're already in June. Uh, but When you say if Ainge wants back in, you mean back into the NBA? Yes. Yeah, 
And I don't know what he's thinking. Uh, he's and, thinking and, he wants to go to Maui and play Kapalua again. Well, he can do that anytime. Just I just on, wanted you to tell that story. Go on a scouting trip. <laughs> yeah, he got free golf and I had to pay. <laughs> Who needed the free golf a little more? Me. <laughs> Who's on a little tighter budget? <laughs> yeah. BYU was in their, uh, it was in the Maui Invitational. And I had been there a few times covering the Utes. And um, usually you get, they'd be at least some island rate or something. And I checked with BYU and said, no, they've already used up their allotments. And then I go out there and I see Ainge playing. And they said, yeah, he, he used it. He's a big golfer. Uh, one time, I don't think that was the time, but one time I brought my parents. They came over. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's, we're covering Utah because Majerus, the guy traveled right in front of him, and Majerus just tried to hold it in, but he couldn't help it, and he slams down a water cooler or something, and the water splattered on my father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I think a lot of people remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can see him right there. Is uh, he? I, I got a ticket for my father to come. Yeah, he lost it there once, and he yeah. lost it at Madison Square Garden once. He was usually pretty composed on the sidelines, but well, yeah, the guy, times... like, the guy took like nine steps right in front of his face. And they didn't call it travel. <laughs> no, no, come on. I would have gone nuts too, and so he turned around and I got to find that slammed, video then and find your dad. Uh, slammed it. Yeah. So I had my my parents in this is one hotel room. My parents. My wife and two kids, mm-hmm. all in one hotel room. Uh, my parents slept in the bed. My my kids were very little. My wife and little kids slept on the foldout, and I slept on the couch. And we had the window open because it was right by the water. And with that sound of that ocean, I slept like a baby every night. But I remember we first get in the room, and it has a little open deck area. My mother lights up. I said, what, what are you doing? <laughs> said, There's no smoking in here. He said, oh, I'll, be, I'll just, I'm, I'm, I'll be right here. You, no, one, no one will see me. I said, yeah, but everyone will smell it. And they don't realize <laughs> how much you can smell it. So uh, they were still, they both uh, had health issues in their 70s and were told to quit. And I have a picture of them at my mother's prom, high mm-hmm. school, both of them with cigarettes. So they had smoked for like 60 years. And then they both had health issues and the uh, both of them quit on the spot. In fact, the next time I went with BYU, mm-hmm. that time with BYU with the, the Ainge in the golf, on Thanksgiving Day, back home in Arizona, my father had a heart attack that very day and had to have triple bypass. And he quit immediately, and they gave him an exercise program and a rehab deal, and he followed it stringently and lived another quality 10 years. Nice. Yeah. I just thought that is amazing how... Because I, I don't have any nicotine addiction, so I can't relate. But they say it's hard to do. But yet when they were both faced with life or death, they, they quit. Did yeah. Not everybody can. Good that they could. Yeah. Other sports news today, in addition to uh, Danny Ainge news, uh, the SEC, it just matters more. That might be why they pay their coaches more. Saban, $9.1 million. Orgeron, $8.7. And now Dan Mullen, a three-year extension. He'll make $7.6 million. Per annum. And, and Utah plays Florida next season. Got a home and home with them. Gonna gonna play in back to back years. Yeah, and you look at what Mullen has accomplished and you look at what Kyle has accomplished. 
I think they're ballparked, wouldn't you say? Yeah, people are going to sign degree of difficulty to going to uh, Mississippi State and the SEC. Yeah, see, that's what drives me nuts, though. I know it does. Because the Pac-12... It's not just you. I think it's what drives everyone on this side of the country nuts. These teams can... They can beat you. They've got pro guys. Their teams may not mm-hmm. be good. Uh, but the the conference is far more balanced. I mean, the, we think of the SEC as one through whatever, and it's not that. It's one through five. It's very, very top-heavy. It's very top-heavy. It's one through five. And I think that one thing that really drove that home, you just saw an SEC quarterback who started three years in the SEC in South Carolina, and he transfers to Utah. Wasn't that so overblown? And how'd that oh, go? 33 starts in the SEC. And if you what break his record day? out versus ranked teams and versus unranked teams, it's night and day. He did really, really, he did pretty well against the unranked teams in the SEC. And he's like one and eight against ranked teams in the SEC because there's a level. And it's a big jump to get to that level with those top four or five programs. Some of it, we've seen Auburn, LSU, and Florida fall off that top level and then hop back up there. Um, LSU has been a little better maybe, but Alabama's been there consistently. Alabama and Auburn, LSU, Georgia, and Florida. I don't think Georgia hasn't fallen off the map here. The other three have, oh, all, no, had, no, no. The other three have all had down years, you know, but they can snap back. They can have a three- or four-win season and follow it up with a nine-win season. So by comparison, say 2019 – Clay Helton was the highest reported salary, had their highest reported salary, Pac-12 football coaches, and it was $4.8 yeah. million. And it's not just the head coach. It's all the, the coaching pools that go with that, which means the best coordinators and the best recruiters, they're going to consistently pay more. And they won't get them all, but they'll get a lot of them in the SEC. In 2018, David Shaw made 4.8 himself but they don't know if he got a raise because Stanford and SC are private institutions. Mm-hmm. And Dan Mullen averaged between seven and eight wins a year. It's basically his eight and five was his average Mississippi State season. He did have a 10 and two nine-win seasons in there, but he averaged about eight wins per year there. So he's making almost double what Kyle makes. And he had a losing record in conference games. But it's the SEC, and he's a Florida, so there you go. He gets his $7.6 million. So, what is that, three years and $23 million essentially? All right, DJ and PK, those are some of the headlines from today, some of the stuff we've been talking about. We also talked about Fernando Tatis Jr. experiencing tightness in his midsection. So he was removed from a game, precautionary. You haven't had tightness in your midsection in how many years? 25. Yeah, there it is. All the sit-ups and still no tightness in your midsection. No, it's going the other way. A lot of flabbiness, though. Sweet. When we come back, all the things you've had to say about today's show next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I have to believe that it will only take once losing in a 3-1 setting to have it never happen again. They have to come into this game five, bringing it back to Vivid Arena, and in their mind they're thinking, not going to let this happen. Not a chance. We will fight until we have no fight left in us because we want to end it now. You don't let this go to six. 
you don't let this go back to Memphis for a sixth game. This has been such a point of emphasis for this team for so long, ever since Game 7 against Denver, that this will not happen again. I think this team is insanely focused going into that game. I would be shocked if on Thursday we hop on the air and we're talking about not a lot of life there, not a lot of energy. I don't know what was going on with that team, but now they've got to go back to Memphis. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Oh, I get it. Ryan Smith wants the world to know that that is not who jazz fans are. Yet behind the scenes, it's still okay for Dwayne Wade to make millions of dollars on Chinese slave labor. I don't care what PK says. Sean Bradley was in the original Space Jam, the real Space Jam, not this hoopla they're putting out today. Yes, with Danny Ainge. I know he just bought a new primary residence in the Provo area. That would lead me to believe that he is done. Thank you, Ja, for the show. But the Utah Jazz have got to go. There's the open mic. You grab the, your phone, you use our app, you use the open mic feature, you send us your takes, and there you are. But I never criticized Sean Bradley for being in Space Jam. If someone offered you a movie role, are you turning it down? I said he wasn't top five player from Utah to play in the pros. Not an outrageous take, by the way. When you look at all the people who've gone through Utah colleges and their NBA careers. I put Honolulu above him. That would be an outrageous take. <laughs> you clearly have screwed up at that point. Travis Hansen, Britton Johnson. Uh, you can't put Britton above him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Mark Madsen kind of counts. <laughs> he went to Stanford. He doesn't count. He'd come back here in the summers. It doesn't matter. I said he kind of counts. He didn't go to one of the schools here. Played a pickup game in the summer. Stanford is like uh, BYU uh, West. Uh, BYU Palo Alto. (laughs) (laughs) It's a follow with the theme. Got you. Yeah, good. Doc's not even listening to the show. He would have reacted if he was. I mean, well, David Shaw likes to think that they're BYU, (laughs) Provo, or Palo Alto. I need a tight end. I need a wide receiver. If you got a D lineman or a linebacker, I'll take him. You got a safety? Bring him on down. That guy. If you're LDS and not thinking on a mission, don't go to Stanford. Shaw wants you to go. He literally, does. he does. He literally wants you to go. He'll encourage it. Yeah. yeah. The mailman at Nico Candu says, yeah, well, the Jazz will be a team on a mission. They're going to pounce tonight from the get-go. Going to jump on them early. Oh, the old jump on them early. Jump on them early. Take away their life. Put them away so they quit. I just don't see that happening. Mr. Monster 913 says, 30-point win. 30 points. I mean, they haven't won by 30 yet. Yeah, the, the game two. Uh, Mailman followed up by saying, uh, I would say uh, less than 15. Yeah, who really cares? Uh, 10 to 15 is plenty. Just get the win, don't get hurt, and uh, just start scouting uh, the Clippers and Mavs. And then when that thing's over, Go for it. Probably going to be the Clippers. Get get ready for that one. That's going to be a whale of a series. I'm super excited about that one. 
Devin tweets at us, Portland management is a joke. I've been saying it for the years. The Blazers have built an all-star G League team around Dame. Dame, 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 Dame. Yeah, it's not easy, though, to be building teams and all that, especially when you got a decent team and you're not getting high picks. And you're capped out. Yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, you look at the moves. Getting Nurkic seemed like a good move. Uh, McCollum was a steal when they drafted him somewhere around 10. It's hard, man. They're a good team, but how do you get better? Uh, the news that Danny Ainge uh, is expected to step down as president of basketball operations with the Celtics is going to turn things over to the coach. He's going to hire a new coach. Brad Stevens will take over the front office on a full-time role. And Tyler tweets in, Danny did more for the Jazz by trading for Hayward than we'll ever know. He didn't trade for him. He didn't trade for him, but I get your <laughs> point. <laughs> Aside from that detail... Uh, yeah, but you look at that one. Uh, he was an all-star in the West. Uh, I, they didn't know that Tatum and Brown were going to develop the way they did and all that stuff. Uh, that's the thing about it, man. What seems like a good move didn't turn out, and what seems like a devastating move from the other perspective didn't turn out either. You never know for sure. It's all probability. Try to tip the odds in your favor because a guy can go up Go up to the hoop, come down, land wrong, and be out for a year and really wreck half the contract. And then, too, you have to look at, you know, who's being coached by whom and what system because that matters it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see when Quinn Snyder gets to the 10 to the 15-year mark, assuming he does. We will look back on some players and say just exactly like we did with Jerry Sloan. Well, his best years were with uh, the Jazz. And that spanned generations with Jerry Sloan. We can go way back, and we can go Darren Williams. Where did the player have his best years? Right here with that coach. Shannon Anderson, best years. Isley, I mean, on and on. On on down the line. Yeah. All right, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next with more on Game 5 tonight. Stay with us.